Hello, everyone, and welcome to another webinar brought to you by India Sourcing Trip. Today, I have with me the one and only Jacob Topping. Hello, Jacob. How's it going? Hey, how's it going, Megla? Good, good, good. I just uh, kind of woke up 30 minutes ago on this Sunday morning. <laughs> Got my coffee going here, sitting at my kitchen table. <laughs> Guys, if you don't know Megla, she doesn't waste a minute. She wakes up and boom, she's interviewing people around the world. So I'm in Canada. You'll probably notice I have a weird Canadian accent. Uh, people <laughs> love it when I say out and about. But um, Megla is in Singapore right now, right? Yeah, I live in Singapore. I've been here for about five years and I just love it here. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm originally from India and, and I do India sourcing trip. I guess that's why I do India sourcing trip. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, it's fun. So Jacob, today you're going to be talking about print on demand because that's what you're all about, right? Merch and print yes. on demand. I'm super excited because I have zero idea about how to do this, really. So I'm thinking, okay. you know, maybe this is a business opportunity for me too. But first of all, tell us about yourself. Tell us your story, all the cool stuff you've been doing, and um, also your gold-plated or gold-covered chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're known for. Always, it always comes back to the chocolate, right? Okay, so I, I told my son I'm doing a I'm doing a call with Jacob and he's like, oh, the gold chocolate person. <laughs> he remembers that's true. you. <laughs> that's true. So we met uh, we met in London. Yeah, did we meet more than once in London. I think we're. I think yes, so, right? we did at White okay, Label met... Expo and then Athena's uh, party. Absolutely. And so her son remembers me for this chocolate. So I have a company. <laughs> it's called Five Leaf Chocolate. Uh, we do we do manufacturing of uh, bean to bar chocolate and it's it's a business that i launched as an example of how to launch a business in one of my facebook groups so what you'll find when you're talking with me about print on demand is that print on demand can be applied in lots of different businesses and in lots of different ways so and it means different things to different people so a lot of people will um think about print on demand immediately they think of merch by amazon which is possibly one of the most popular uh, platforms for print-on-demand among Amazon sellers. Um, although outside of Merch by Amazon, there's plenty of print-on-demand solutions. There's marketplaces for it, and there's also um, fulfillment sort of centers or companies that will fulfill orders for your on-demand manufacturing. And so we're going to get into that. But uh, Megla, thank you for bringing me into your show. I know that um, this is... Uh, something that we don't often get to do is to meet with each other and to chat about things and to really get a deep understanding of, of ways of doing business. Um, and you and I both know that there's lots and lots of different ways to do business. So this is just one of them. Uh, this is something that can be done in addition to existing business models and it can be done uh, separately on its own as well. So we'll get into it. Um, right. So how long have you been doing this first of all? Yeah. So I started doing uh, print on demand through Merch by Amazon initially uh, back in 2016. Uh, Merch by Amazon as a program launched in September, uh, the end of September 2015. And so I was with I was into it within the first year, so in less than the first year. Um, and it's been running since then up until just this last week. They sent out a message that they're at you know due to the COVID-19. Um, they're temporarily paused. So I don't think that they're going to be gone forever, That, but they are currently not available. Um, and I found out about print on demand through a conference that I was at. It was um, an Amazon, uh, fulfilled by Amazon conference uh, in Denver. And here's the story. What happened 
I was going there to learn about more about uh, Fulfilled by Amazon, FBA, which I'm sure your viewers are probably familiar with if they sell online or if they sell on Amazon especially. Um, and somebody suggested that they get shirts made up for next year for the conference, right? And within about 10 to 15 minutes, somebody posted a link on the Twitter and they said, hey, I got the shirts for the conference. They're available. You can buy them now. And they're listed on Amazon and they're listed prime. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Hold on. Is there like a fulfillment center right here? Did somebody just make a shirt and <laughs> somehow get it into Amazon? Well, how do you have a prime listing on Amazon in 15 minutes? Like that's not possible, right? Like I'm clearly I'm learning because I wasn't aware of that before, right? And it turns out uh, Merch by Amazon, which again was still in its first year at the time, has the ability for you to upload a design, an image uh, into Amazon. And that image is available to be put on different items. So at the time it was just t-shirts. And so you could upload an image and you put a title, a description, um, a price and some other um, you know, field information that would be available on a real live Amazon listing on amazon.com at the time. And if it was approved by Merch by Amazon, as soon as it's approved, it went live. And uh, what would happen is when somebody purchases that item, let's say it's the T-shirt, um, it's manufactured at that moment in time. So Amazon literally takes the design that's available in the listing, they print it onto the item, in this case, a T-shirt, and then they uh, send it out to the customer. So it's really made on demand. And that's why it's called uh, print on demand. Um, and so when I learned about that in Denver, it, it blew my mind. And I'm like, wait a second. So I don't need to ship something into the Amazon warehouse, right? Because we all know you, you go with Amazon FBA, you need to ship something into the warehouse. You have to pay for shipping, right? Uh, and they're like, no, you don't have to ship anything. You just upload it digitally, right? And I'm like, well, what about, you know, it takes time to be received by Amazon, right? When you do FBA to get a prime listing, normally they take the package at the warehouse and they have to create the listing and they have to put it in the warehouse, right? I get there's no, there's no warehouse part, but like, how long does it take to create that listing? And uh, the thing that blew me away was if you uploaded something, a design to Merch by Amazon, it could be approved within minutes, right? So you could literally send them a design with the price and description and the details of the listing. And if it was approved, it could be live on amazon.com with literally within minutes, right? So like less than an hour. Um, and people could actually order that item and get it delivered to their home right away, right? Which just completely blew my mind. So I was thinking, well, at the time, I was doing uh, retail arbitrage. So I'm sure that your viewers are familiar with Amazon. Is it correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. Most of them are. Okay. So within Amazon, if you're doing FBA, you, you know, you've got retail arbitrage, you've got private label, you have wholesale, uh, and there's other ways to approach Amazon FBA. And, then, and there's also ways to sell on Amazon without FBA, right? Yeah. And the thing that I was um, just blew my mind was with retail arbitrage, I was going out to stores and I was buying things like books and I was buying toys at the time and I was buying um, just like handy tools and things that you could send into the Amazon FBA warehouse. And not only would you have to pay for shipping, not only would you have to wait for it to arrive to the warehouse and then get processed and the listing made, but you'd also have to actually purchase the item, right? Yeah. So if I wanted to, if I wanted to list like a box of Lego at the time, I would have to go out and buy the box of Lego. Like my cash would be used to buy the Lego. And then I would send it into the FBA warehouse, list it, and hopefully um, at some point somebody would buy it and they would pay more money than I spent, right? So that I would keep the difference. Well, the thing with Amazon uh, through Merch by Amazon, which is a, one, again, one way to do print on demand, um, was that you could actually upload the design and the amount of money that it costs you is $0, right? So I could create a listing on Amazon directly with Prime 
for no money out of my pocket, no capital investment, right? No inventory costs, right? If it didn't sell with Amazon FBA, you've got uh, inventory charges, right? Warehousing costs, long-term storage fees. Uh, and those have increased over time over the years as well. So now you've got monthly storage fees, you've got the semi-annual and you have the annual storage fees. With Merch by Amazon, you get a free listing. It doesn't cost you anything. Then there's no long-term storage fees, so they don't charge you to have the listing there. Um, and the program itself is free. It's still free. So um, with Merch by Amazon, if you wanted to create listings, there's no cost. You apply for the program, you get an invitation, and if you're accepted, and then you start to upload designs. So to me, everything about it was just a little bit better than Amazon FBA. And then you look at like how much money do you actually make when something sells, right? So if I compared to where I was at at the time, I might be going to a book sale or a, or a library or a church book sale or something like that. And I was buying books for between 10 cents and sometimes up to a dollar, but usually uh, between 10 and 50 cents per book, right? I was sending it into Amazon. I was paying around 50 cents a pound, roughly, approximately. And then when a book sold, typically I would be making, I don't know, anywhere between 2 to $5 in profit after the expenses, right? After you pay for the shipping, after you pay for any storage fees, because you've got to average the things that sell with things that don't. Um, the markup itself, the cost of the book, the time it took to process it, uh, the capital outlay where you had to actually buy it, and the time it took to do all this stuff, right? So, um, you know, if I was averaging 2 to $5 for an item that sold, and in order for it to sell again, I'd have to send in the same book or another book under a new listing, right? Where with Merch by Amazon, the thing that really impressed me at the time was you were able to make almost $10 in royalties per sale, and that's at the $19.99 price point. So I think it was like $8.78 or something like that at the time. Um, it was around that amount. And since then, the royalty uh, amount that you get per sale has dropped uh, throughout time. So it's it's quite a bit lower now. It's roughly around $5.12, $5.13, roughly, um, for the same $20 front-printed T-shirt that you would sell on Merch by Amazon, which, again, is still good because that's straight profit, right? Um, yeah. So what kinds of products are available? I mean, of course, there are T-shirts, but what else? Yeah, so um, this was, this. we're going back to, you asked me, how did I get started, right? How do yeah. I find out about Print On Demand? So um, what happened shortly after I joined Print On Demand through Merch by Amazon at the time, um, so that was in, it was in the, the fourth quarter, so it was right like around September. Um, within about two weeks after I had joined, things froze up. So you weren't allowed to create new listings, right? Uh, and then shortly after that, you weren't allowed to edit your listings. The entire thing froze up. And by, by Q4, so in December, the time when people are shopping the most on Amazon.com, at the time, I couldn't upload anything. I couldn't edit my existing designs. I was completely frozen, right? And with Merch by Amazon, you start out in tiers. So the first tier is tier 10, meaning you can upload 10 listings. You can have 10 designs on Amazon. Um, and after you make 10 sales, then it, it increases to 25, right? And then it increases again to 100 and to 200 to uh, 500 and so on. So it increases. So at this point, some people have uh, over 100,000 listings available on Merch by Amazon. So those tiers do go up. And so when I first started, I went from tier 10 to tier 25. And then I, was, um, I had enough sales to tier up to tier 100. But the whole program got um, kind of locked up because they weren't able to produce as many shirts as they were selling, right? This is last so, year, right? No, this was back in 2016. Oh, 16. Okay. 
Yeah, in yeah. Q4 of 2016. Mm -hmm. So this is, um, I guess, three and a half, almost four years ago. Like it's 2020 now, it's 2016. So <clears throat> um, I was frustrated by that. And I started to look around the internet to find out, well, this is a whole new business model. And I wasn't aware of it until I started with Merch by Amazon. But this concept of print on demand, I wondered, does it exist elsewhere, right? Uh, I found out there's another company doing it, also doing print on demand it's called Redbubble, right? So redbubble.com. And Redbubble, just like Amazon, has its own marketplace. And so you can go on and you can browse through types of items and listings and you can see different things for sale. And the model is the same. You upload a design, you create a price, you create a listing, you create a title, you tag it, right? So you identify uh, ways for people to find it. And with Redbubble, you got to set your price, right? So you could set whatever price you, you wanted to. Um, yeah, and redbubble.com is there. Redbubble.com, Redbubble is an Australian-based company. It's actually a publicly traded company on the Australian Stock Exchange. So the nice thing about it is you can go and actually see their quarterly reports. You can see what's happening in the company because they do report on it every quarter. Um, and I just loved it because I could take my designs that I had for Merch by Amazon and I could upload them to Redbubble because at the time, Merch by Amazon was frozen, right? Well, when I realized that Redbubble did this. I, of course, the curiosity get, kills the cat. So I started uh, doing some more searches and I found Zazzle, right? Zazzle.com. And the thing that really surprised me about Zazzle was Zazzle um, has many, many more types of items than Redbubble. And Redbubble, of course, at the time had many more types of items than Merch by Amazon. So back in 2016, um, Merch by Amazon really just had t-shirts and then they came out with premium t-shirts. So they had two types of t-shirts and then over time they've been adding some items. So they've added uh, v-neck shirts, they've got long sleeve shirts, they've got hooded sweatshirts, hooded shirts with a zipper. Um, they signed a deal with pop sockets. So those little things that you put on your phone to kind of hold your phone, the little yeah. pop socket grips. Yeah. Um, you can do those through Merch by Amazon as well. So Zazzle.com, and thank you for putting up the, the websites here. This is helpful for people. Zazzle allows you, again, you upload a design, you create a title, you create a description, you put in the price, right? And it allows you to sell in their marketplace. And again, Zazzle has its own marketplace at Zazzle.com, right? And, you know, this was all new to me at the time. And so I started continuing to look and I found, okay, well, there's another company, Sunfrog, right? What's this about? So Sunfrog, again, you upload the design, you put in the title, you put in a price, you put in the description, you put in some tags. And again, you get uh, access to many types of products, right? So um, they started getting into new types of products. So things like in addition to just clothing and apparel, you're getting into like yoga mats and yoga pants and you're getting into mugs and other things, right? Uh, Redbubble has types of products. So for example, phone cases, um, calendars, clocks, um, covers for your laptop, uh, bags, tote bags, uh, dresses, right? Um, all kinds of things that are well beyond just t-shirts um, and hooded sweatshirts and the sort of tops that, that are generally found across most of the print-on-demand platforms. And as time passed, I, you know, I'm a very analytical guy. I want to see like, what are my options and what's out there? And I was still kind of getting a feel for which platform gives me sales and which doesn't, which has more volume, which doesn't. Uh, different ways to drive traffic to them. So I was taking lots of notes. And at this time, the people that were involved with Merch by Amazon were starting to form little clusters and groups. And there's Facebook groups um, starting to get put together by different people, right? So Merch by Amazon is probably the largest group for print by, uh, sorry, print on demand at the moment. 
Um, people call it the large group because it was one of the first groups out there and it probably has the most members. It's around 75,000 members. So it's quite large, right? Um, but it grew because there were no other groups, right? And there, you know, if you wanted to get into print on demand, you type that in, you'd find it, you'd join it. And a lot of people were finding out about it through other people who sold already on platforms such as Amazon. So um, there were big influencers at the time, like uh, Chris Green and Ken Real and other people that people are very familiar with. They have been on the Amazon platform and they were early adopters into Amazon FBA. Um, and they were really advocates or evangelists for the Merch by Amazon platform. And so they had these large groups and of course more people join them and, and there's a good way to find out more information about them. Well, when things were locked up for Merch by Amazon, I was going in and saying things like, hey, like, why doesn't anybody use Redbubble? Why doesn't anybody use Zazzle? How about Cafe Press, Teespring, Spreadshirt, T-Chip, um, Sunfrog? There's all kinds. It turns out there's a lot of companies, right? So which and ones are more one of them, popular today? Like, let's talk about today. Somebody commented, let's talk about yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, well, so sort of, it sort of um, accumulates. And what you'll find is each one of these platforms has a different group of people, a different audience that they appeal to. Right. right. So Redbubble will reach its own audience. Zazzle will tend to reach a different audience. They have different marketing. They have different items that are for sale. They have different creators. The The communities of people making designs for them are different between each one of these platforms. Right. Teespring, for example, very different uh, with Teespring. A lot of uh, designers or people loading up into Teespring, they'll drive traffic to the platform and they'll send traffic to a design. Right. So they tended to gravitate towards you know, people that are doing online marketing. So if you're doing Facebook ads or Instagram ads, or if you're doing Pinterest, you're driving traffic to a platform, Teespring was fantastic, right? Um, and in that time period, so between like 2014, 2015, 2016, at that time, you could go onto Teespring, you could generate a, a convincing Facebook campaign, drive a lot of traffic to a design, and you might make like literally 10, 20, $30,000 in sales in less than a week. Right now, you were paying for it, right? You're paying for advertising on uh, Facebook, but you were able to drive a huge amount of traffic and then have on-demand manufacturing create products and send them to your buyers, right? So, so you could actually sell Teespring. tons of product without without any inventory. So is it popular today as well? Teespring is that a good platform for someone who's just starting out? Is it a good platform to start start with? Yeah. So this Our question is kind platform. of like saying, what's a good car company? And what's the best car, right? So <laughs> each car has a different uh, audience. They target different people. You know, if you're looking for a sports car, are you going to go with a Porsche or a Lamborghini? Are you going to go with Ferrari, right? If you're looking for a commuter car for your family and you want a van, it's a totally different vehicle, right? And right. it's a different manufacturer, totally different, completely different price range, different, um, different marketing to those audiences. So each, what I would say is each of these print-on-demand platforms are different. So what I started to do is take a lot of notes, really detailed notes about uh, how, what's on each of these platforms. What do they offer? How do you access them? What's the best way to make a listing? What are some things about a listing which drives more sales versus less sales from listing to listing, right? Just comparing things across platform. And because I had a large amount of designs and I was actually making some designs myself and I was also paying for other people to make designs. And I, we can get into that in a minute. Um, yeah. I was able to put up the same design across many platforms. So at the beginning, when I started doing this uh, multi-platform or multi-pod, I think I was started with 10 different platforms. So I started with 10 of sort of the largest, most popular, most prominent print-on-demand platforms at that time. And I would put up the same design 
with similar titles, similar descriptions, and I'll kind of see which one sells the best, right? And what I what I found, and this is different, different people have different experiences, but in my case, what I found was there's very little relationship between what sold on each individual print-on-demand platform. But this shocked me. Like to me, this is very surprising. And when I talked with other people, they were having different experiences. They would say, okay, well, I'll take my best sellers from Rich by Amazon, or I'll throw them up on Redbubble and see what happens. And maybe the sales were good, and maybe they weren't, but often if you take the best designs from one platform and, and put them onto another platform with the expectation that they get the same level of sales as the first platform, you may be disappointed with the result because it's a different audience. They're different buyers. They're looking for different things, different designs okay. that will appeal to them, right? Your competition on that platform is going to be very different. The price point is different. The products themselves are literally different products, right? And so right. Um, I found it to be the case in my experience anyways. And it, again, it's different for different people. But in my experience, I found that um, designs that sold well on one platform did not necessarily translate to selling well on other platforms. Yeah. That think, being said, I yeah. was finding a lot of sales on Redbubble where a lot of people were finding a lot of sales on Merch by Amazon. I found this is very interesting. Why is it that some people are getting more sales on one platform and other people are getting more sales on another platform? It may have to do with the tools that you're using, right? If you're optimizing your listing for a particular platform and you try to list those on another platform with unoptimized listings or God forbid, you're using the exact same title, the exact same keyword and the exact same price for different items, um, you're gonna get totally different results, right? So I think the results uh, are there, but let me get back to answering your question. So when I was comparing many different print on demand platforms, um, I wanted a common metric for me to determine what is the likelihood of somebody buying the item, right? And what I found, and again, people will find different things for, it may apply differently for different people, but what I found was, does the platform get traffic? Right? Do people go to the website? Are people shopping on that website? And I think you'll agree, when more people go to a website to shop, you'll generally speaking find more sales on that platform. The only other question is, what's your competition on that platform and what's happening there, right? So right. Amazon gets tons of sales because a ton of people are going to Amazon to shop for things. They're going there to shop. So they're going to get tons of sales, right? And so what I started to do is I evaluated how many, um, how much traffic, how much monthly traffic is being driven on a particular platform. And so I made a list and I went through and I looked through some website analytics and found out which one of the platforms that were doing print on demand had the most organic traffic, the most actual people going to the site, right? Um, and so there's some big, um, there's some large print on demand companies that get lots of traffic. So Redbubble again is a, is a very large print on demand company. They do purely print on demand. Uh, Zazzle so as is, well, is very large. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Redbubble. I think we should talk about each of the key platforms a little bit to give give people an yeah. idea of which one is uh, you know good for what what products and what audience. So for Redbubble. Sure. So is this yeah. an Australian based company? And do yeah, they so only cater to Australia or do they cater to global audiences? Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, in a general sense, most print-on-demand companies will ship anywhere worldwide. And then the yeah. question is, where do they manufacture? Where is the, the goods actually produced? So Redbubble is an Australian-based company. It's a publicly traded Australian company. But they have uh, distributed manufacturing. So they have around uh, 15 or more factories, each factory producing different items. For the most case, they have core items and they might have some special items. And those factories are distributed all across the world. 
So when you go to Redbubble, it's not like you're getting something that's going to be made in Australia and shipped to the rest of the world, although there will be factories in, Aus in Australia. They'll also have factories in Canada. They have factories in the U.S. They have factories in um, Europe. They have factories in Asia. They have factories all over the place, right? Um, and so when you order your item, the item is generally manufactured at the nearest factory to where the order is placed, right? So it's optimizing where it's made and shipping to the buyers based on where the buyers are and based on what product they purchased. So is it a factory or are they buying these products in high volumes from factories and then keeping the products in their warehouse and, you know, as soon yeah. as there's an order, they just process it from within their warehouse or because yeah, how, how do they source like one t-shirt from a factory, you know, one t-shirt at a time. That doesn't make <laughs> sense. The, right? <laughs> it, well, that's, that's the, that's the mystery, right? So print on demand literally means this, a factory will stock blanks of a certain item. So it could be blank uh, telephone cases. It could be blank tote bags. It could be blank shirts, uh, blank sweaters in every different size, every different color, blank, with no design on it, right? When an order comes in off their website, it's that item with a design specific to that listing, right? So one design might have, um, let me give an example here. So this is a design on a t-shirt, right? So this is a Merch by Amazon design. It's a cute little whale with a little Merch by Amazon dude, and he's jumping around, right? But this shirt, in the factory, it's just a blank shirt. It's just a black shirt with nothing on it, right? When the, when somebody goes to the Amazon and they order this particular item, they'll print that design onto this item, which is a T-shirt, and then they'll ship this T-shirt. Boom! It gets shipped out to the buyer. Does that make so, sense? So the the, so the they product are, there, there's no by the factory, or is it shipped by Amazon? I always thought that Amazon does the shipping themselves. So it's it's not the case. Yeah, so well, it is with Amazon. So okay. merch by Amazon, uh, Amazon is the, um, they are the seller of record. So it's their listing. First of all, on Amazon, it'll say like sold by Amazon. It won't be sold by you. Um, you can put a brand on it, but it'll be Amazon as the seller. And then with merch by Amazon, Amazon is manufacturing the product in-house. So merch by Amazon makes their own uh, print on demand items inside of Amazon warehouses. Mm -hmm. So there's a warehouse in uh, Dallas, which is owned by Amazon. It's the Woot Factory, W-O-O-T. Um, and then there's another merch by, well, there's another merch by Amazon facility in Pennsylvania. And then there's another one uh, closer to the west, sort of the northwest of the U.S. So there's three of them, at least three of them in the U.S. I think there may be more now. Um, and then in Europe, they have them. And I'm not sure the exact location. I don't know if it's in the U.K. or if it's in uh, Central Europe. I, I don't know just off the top of my head. But they have a, at least one factory in Europe as well. And that caters to amazon.co.uk uh, and amazon.de. So there's three marketplaces where you can list a Merch by Amazon listing on. And if it's manufactured by Merch by Amazon, it's made inside of an Amazon warehouse fulfillment center. Okay. And then they're uh, sourcing Redbubble. the products from the blank products. They're sourcing from various factories around the world or China most probably or India or, yeah. or US uh, or... Yeah, so for the most part, they get them from um, their, the, the, the blanks, so the products that they're printing onto, they are sourced throughout the world. Um, in the U.S., a lot of them are American-made, so they're making them, and they're made, uh, some of them are made in the Caribbean, right? So like Honduras is a popular place for them. Uh, Vietnam is very popular, Bangladesh. There's the, the shirts, the items are made all over the place, and it depends on the item as well. Um, yeah. But often the... 
the print-on-demand service or platform or marketplace is generally speaking um, doing the design onto the item in-house and then sending them directly to the, the buyer. Redbubble is an exception to the rule. So Redbubble, um, they outsource everything. Redbubble themselves doesn't manufacture anything. They created an integrated system with third-party factories that make the items in their third-party factory and then send it directly to the buyer. Um, and so print-on-demand is not done the same way by different marketplaces and platforms. And I keep saying marketplaces and platforms because there's different things. So, for example, um, I made a list of multiple different ways of doing print-on-demand. So you can see this list, and there's many companies here. You got Amazon, which has Merch by Amazon but it's listed on the Amazon Marketplace. And then Amazon Marketplace, of course, you know, there's international ones. So there's amazon.com, .ca, .mexico, you know, a whole bunch of them. I think there's like 16 or 17 different Amazon Marketplaces, right? Then you've got Zazzle. So Zazzle is a marketplace and it manufactures the items and they outsource to third party. So they do both. Some of them they manufacture themselves, some of them they outsource. Redbubble, they outsource everything. Sunfrog, they do everything internally. They make the items, right? Um, there's a whole bunch of them. Spreadshirt, for example. Spreadshirt, they do their own manufacturing. Uh, Cafe Press, they do their own manufacturing. Society6, uh, I'm not sure 100%, but I think they do their own manufacturing. And there's all kinds of them, right? But some of these have their own marketplaces. Like Merch by Amazon is on the Amazon marketplace. Redbubble has its own marketplace. Uh, Zazzle has its own marketplace. Um, but something like Printful does not have a marketplace. And Printful is a huge print-on-demand player. So what they do is they will do the manufacturing and the fulfillment, but you will list it on somebody else's marketplace. So if you wanted to create something with Printful, you might actually list it on Amazon, or you might list it on eBay, or you might list it on Etsy, or you might list it on you know, a Shopify website. And so there's different... There's many different companies approaching print-on-demand from many different... Um, Angles. Okay, what so about Stephen Printify? has a question. Sure. Yeah. So Printify or Shopify. So Shopify is an e-commerce platform. And within Shopify, you can connect one or more than one. Simultaneously, you can connect more than one print-on-demand uh, service. So Printify, in this case, is a print-on-demand fulfillment service that you can connect to your Shopify um, e-commerce shop or store. Um, and then Shopify itself, it's kind of a hybrid, right? So you can use Shopify to process orders on other marketplaces, or you could use Shopify to have your own website. And you can use it both ways. And you can use it both ways simultaneously, right? So I'll give you a scenario. Let's say I wanted to open up a store. So you know I have my chocolate company. It's Five Leaf Chocolate, right? Yeah. If I wanted to add a merch section to that or a, um, a you know, like a fan site where people go on and buy things like shirts or shoes or stickers or something like that related to um, Five Leaf Chocolate, I could go into my Shopify site, which is at fiveleafchocolate.ca. That backend is run by Shopify. So Shopify is running the whole site, right? But if I wanted to create a print-on-demand section to that site, I could just literally add a page within Shopify and then connect to it a service like Printify. So Printify would be the service that does the print on demand. So they're actually doing the print on demand for the items. And then when somebody orders like the stickers or the shirt or the whatever the item is that they get 
it would be manufactured through Printify. And Printify would be an app within Shopify. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. So um, when somebody orders a t-shirt, what would happen? Can you walk us through the process? What happens? So let's say there's, you know, three different products on the page and let's say somebody orders a t-shirt with your logo on it. What's next? Yeah. So let's say I've got a Shopify store, fiveleafchocolate.ca uh, and somebody goes to the shop page within that and they buy a t-shirt and the t-shirt's just a big picture of our corporate logo on it, right? That order is going to go through whatever connected print-on-demand platform I have connected to that shop, and they're going to actually print it off and fulfill it. So they're going to send it to the customer. So they're going to pick it off the shelf. They're going to print the design onto the piece of clothing. They're going to ship it out to the customer. And that happens automatically without, it's not a manual process? Absolutely. It's fully automated. Wow, so okay, that's Yeah. So th think of it this way. Let's say, and, and we're just using Shopify as an example, okay? It doesn't have to be Shopify. You could do the same thing with WooCommerce. You could do the same thing with Big Cartel. You could do the same thing with uh, all kinds of different e-commerce platforms, right? You could do it through a Wix site. You could do it through, um, I don't know, any, any kind of website that you have hosting on, basically. You could do it through a WordPress site. There's many ways to do it. So the order comes through. It gets sent to whichever print-on-demand uh, fulfillment service you have connected to your shop. They manufacture the item on a one-unit basis and send it directly to your customer from the factory to the customer. It's like factory direct. So there's not a big pile of my shirt sitting in the factory with the logo on it. That would be drop shipping, right? Yeah. Drop shipping is when you have a bunch of stuff in a warehouse and you're basically connecting the manufacturer to the buyer. This is not drop shipping. This is on-demand manufacturing. It doesn't exist until the person buys it. So that way there's no inventory. Uh, can you recommend a good EU or UK or, or Europe platform? Yeah, so there's, so within print-on-demand, as I mentioned earlier, it's like saying what's a good car company or what's a good car. Um, within Europe, just like in other continents, there are many different print-on-demand services. Some of them are specialized more heavily or have more heavily manufactured facilities in Europe, whereas some of them are more heavily based in the US or some of them are more heavily based in other parts of the world. Uh, so within Europe, uh, Spreadshirt is a fantastic example of a print-on-demand service. And Spreadshirt has its own marketplace. So if you wanted to upload designs to Spreadshirt, uh, I believe it's Spreadshirt.net in Europe, as opposed to Spreadshirt.com, which is Spreadshirt in the US, and actually maintain them as two separate marketplaces, which is kind of funny. Um, and so Spreadshirt has access to hundreds of different types of items, and you could have one design across any number of those items and list them on the Spreadshirt marketplace, right? Well, let's say you don't want to have it on the Spreadshirt marketplace. Let's say you want to have your Spreadshirt uh, as the fulfillment service to your own website. So let's say your website's on Shopify or your website is uh, on WooCommerce or Wix for that matter, it could be anywhere. You can connect uh, SPOD and SPOD is the print-on-demand fulfillment service by Spreadshirt. So Spreadshirt's actually still doing the printing and the fulfillment, but it's not on their marketplace. Now it's on you, you're the marketplace. It's your website, right? The other thing you can do is and again, it's 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 complex in the sense that there's many ways to do it. You could embed an existing marketplace inside of your website. This is different than you connecting directly to the print-on-demand facility. If you wanted to embed Spreadshirt inside of your Shopify website, you could do that as well, right? So in one case, it's going directly through your Shopify store and they're the fulfillment service. In the other case, you're putting their marketplace on your website. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. 
Uh, and in both cases, you can have different items. The other thing is you can make money not just by loading your own designs and selling your own products through any of these print-on-demand services or platforms. You can actually make money selling other people's designs on your, uh, your marketplace, right? So if you're driving traffic and you wanted to point people to somebody else's design, you can point them to that other design. I'm not talking about copying a design and, and doing that. That's like, don't do that. Um, but you can actually point traffic to somebody else's design and get paid a referral or a commission based on the sales of their product, right? And different platforms enable you to do that. So for example, Sunfrog is a good example. Um, if you go to Sunfrog and you see a design that would be a great fit for your service or for your product or for your brand or your whole ecosystem or the people that your audience, right? You can take that item and you can place it in front of your audience. And when you drive sales to it, you get a percentage um, as a royalty for driving traffic to that sale. So it's almost like you're an affiliate for each individual listing. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Rob Logan so Sunfrog, says... Sunfrog's good for that. I would like to talk to you. Please message me when you can. <laughs> okay, Rob, I'm going to write down your name. Uh, so put, put, this is Anna Davidson. <laughs> yes, I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and they're pink, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Because you posted a picture of your pajama bottoms earlier. So we know. We know you're wearing pajamas. <laughs> how do you know what's allowed okay. on a t-shirt also how do you decide what to print what how where do you get ideas that's a good question that's a really really good question so uh what is allowed on a t-shirt is designs that you have the rights to so if it's trademarked and you're trying to do a text-based design it's very bad you're violating a trademark right so you don't want to violate anybody's ip you also uh you don't want to use something that's copyrighted or trademarked um, this is a quick way to get kicked off of a platform or a service, right? So for example, if you uploaded uh, Just Do It on a shirt and sent it to Merch by Amazon, it won't even make it to the platform. It'll get uh, it'll get uh, rejected, right? And if you do this uh, too often or too many times, uh, there's no set in stone number of times you can be rejected. But if you're constantly trying to abuse the system, you'll get kicked right off the platform. So they'll ban you from the whole system, right? Um the same thing is true for other platforms. So let's say you uploaded something uh, that's trademarked through Redbubble, right? They have um, mechanisms in place that actively search for things that are trademarked and they will actively restrict and or boot the design and in some cases close your account and delete your account, right? So uh, upload things that you own the rights to Right, and this comes down to things like fonts. If you're going to use a font, make sure that you own the right to use the font. If you're using design elements, make sure that you write you own the rights to those designs. Either you've paid for the rights or you created it yourself. Uh, creating it yourself is typically the safer way to go. But even then, think about this: I could draw the Batman symbol really accurately and upload it to a print-on-demand platform. Well, it's clearly a violation of copyright, right? Even though I created it, I could draw it myself it's violating the, the copyright. So it's a very high risk to getting dropped off. So what I recommend is create original content that you own the rights to, both the image and any phrases used in the listing. And, and that would go for any platform that you're using. So regardless of it's, you know, TeePublic or Spreadshirt, or Teespring, Cafe Press, Zazzle, like any of these print-on-demand platforms. And of course, now with everything that's going on around the world with lockdowns and quarantine and COVID-19, I think you could maybe try yeah. to create some, you know, phrases around, what's going on maybe you know try to be funny 
Um, uh, so you have to be careful about the terms yeah. of service for the platform okay. as well. So for example, if you wanted to do a COVID-19, you sent it to Merch by Amazon. Merch by Amazon is not available right now because it's closed, but yeah. let's say it was open a week and a half ago. Um, if you did that, it would also be rejected because the terms of service say that you can't make designs based on tragedy. And this is oh. considered to be a human tragedy. It's an it's a worldwide yeah. pandemic, right? Right. So you really have to understand what are the terms of service for the platform that you're on, right? right? And different platforms have different terms of service, right? So for example, for a long time, you couldn't do any swearing on Merch by Amazon. That's since changed. So the terms of service have actually been altered. Now you can do swearing. However, if you uploaded something with swearing on it, you cannot apply that to a child uh, size, right? So you can't right. do children's clothing with swearing on it, right? Other platforms like Redbubble, for example, they have different policies, different terms of service. Is a different uh, approach to it. So you could basically flag it as adult content or not, and then the system will take care of putting it on the appropriate listings and um, you know hiding it from audiences that don't want to see that adult content, right? And so different platforms and services have different policies. Specifically, um, the larger, the more of a marketplace the service is, typically you'll find the higher level of policies they'll have, right? So for example, Etsy, Etsy is a marketplace and you can connect print on demand services to Etsy, but Etsy has its own uh, policies and procedures, their own terms of service. I think they call it the house rules, right? Um, and so make sure that you're following the rules of any platform that you happen to use, it, especially if you're using another marketplace. Right. Um, if you're creating your own marketplace, there's still rules, but you just gotta be careful. And there's two parts to this question. The second part of the question is, um, how do you decide what to print? Where do you get your ideas? So you can, um, in a broad sense, there's kind of different categories of ideas or different ways people approach it. And again, it's so different, just like any kind of sales, people are doing it very successfully in multiple different ways. So some people will focus on evergreen designs. So something like sports that happen year round or camping or fishing, this is something that happens uh, you know, continuously. Um, versus event-based, right? So is it a holiday-based design? Maybe it's something centered around Christmas or like Easter or Mother's Day, Father's Day. Maybe it's something like birthdays, right? Birthdays are happening all the time, right? So there's people have a birthday any day of the year. It's more of an evergreen type design. Um, some things, some designs are time-based, based around news, right? So if you see something that's a headline, of course, that generates a great demand of interest. And so you can sometimes design something around that. Um, and get a lot of traffic, but then the, the kind of spikes up where you get a lot of sales and then it'll it'll drop off just as quickly as it spikes up. So it doesn't mean that it's necessarily better or worse, but it's a different approach. Um, and some people kind of design based around the seasonal trends, right? So in the fall, you might have something for, let's say in the US for Halloween, whereas in the spring, you might have something more around gardening or like planting and the new season of things, right? Um, but keep in mind, seasons are different throughout the world. So, um, you know, in the, in the Northern Hemisphere, like in Europe or the U.S. or Canada, the seasons will be completely opposite of something you'd have in like Australia or in South America or in other parts of the world, right? So uh, how to choose what to design will be very specific to your own business model. Mm -hmm. That being said, there's also different ways people approach it. I'm talking about it in a general sense where people are making many designs and putting them onto a platform and then keying them up so they can be found. Uh, and again, even within that, you can have organic listings where you're relying on people to find those designs for you. Or you could have paid listings where you're basically putting them up and then you're driving traffic to it. You could do it both ways, right? 
even within that, you can have different approaches. So you can have somebody, let's say, that has a Shopify store. I'll give you two examples. One Shopify store that uses print on demand, they might focus on people who love pineapples, right? So they're going to have pineapple sunglasses and pineapple shirts and pineapple yoga mats and pineapple, I don't know, um, cutting boards and pineapple shower curtains and pineapple bath towels and bathing suits and like all kinds of stuff, right? And it was all around pineapples. We have many different items that are all print on demand, but they all have these kind of pineapple-y theme. And so it's, it's dedicated towards people that are interested in pineapples, right? You can have somebody that takes a completely different approach. And again, let's I'll just use Shopify as an example. They set up a Shopify store and they say, hey, you know what? We're going to focus on um, cutting boards, people that just love cutting boards, right? And we're going to have many types of designs, people that like pineapples, but maybe they also like bananas. Maybe they also like steak, all the different things that you might want to put onto a cutting board. Maybe they're using a cutting board for, I don't know, chopping something or making salads or whatever. And you could literally have... 10 or 15 different kinds of cutting boards and each cutting board could have an on-demand design burnt onto it, right? So it's not just it's not just printed. You can apply a design to a different material in many different ways. So this is a, an example. So this is a, uh, a cup and it has Merch by Amazon on it. And this is, uh, I believe it's chemically etched. So you can put an etching material on it. And so it makes the design on glass, right? Yeah. And again, you can have, many types of items you have glassware so you might have mugs you might have different kinds of mugs you could have color changing mugs 15 ounce mugs uh, 11 ounce mugs you could have metal mugs ceramic mugs camping mugs um all kinds of different mugs right and the mugs themselves could have different uh techniques applied to them right so some of them could be chemical etching some of them could be a design that reveals itself through color changing inks um some of them could be just a regular ink printed onto the mug, right? And so you could have an entire store of mugs and maybe maybe you do both. Maybe you say, hey, I'm gonna have all mugs and all the mugs are gonna be designed for people that go camping, right? Because when you go camping, you probably wanna bring something to drink out of like a water bottle or a mug. And so you could design very specific niches, both with the design and with the type of product and with uh, the platform, everything can be customized, right? Um, and in all cases, in all of the examples I've given, you can use print on demand to create that shop or that store or that item or that group of items. So it's very, very, how people use print on demand can vary very widely. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. That was great information. So Cherry's asking for a complete newbie to print on demand, which platform would you suggest to start with? Uh, again, it kind of depends, but I personally, I'm a big fan of Redbubble. Um, you can create a Redbubble at no cost, so it's free, right? You can make listings at no cost, so it's free to make listings, and you can make mistakes if you want. That's fine. Um, they, when you upload a design to Redbubble, you get access to more than 60 different products, six zero, so more than 60, and they're all simultaneously available for each design that you upload, and you can turn them on or off. You can adjust the colors and the backgrounds. You can make them uh, position them. You can put your different designs in different ways. Um, also, if you don't have access to a designer or you're not making the designs yourselves, you can use like a text-based design. So you can actually use their sort of um, on-page design tools to make the designs as you go. Um, and then it also has a global audience. So it's very large in terms of how much sales volume it does. Redbubble sells more than $200 million a year in just print-on-demand items. And yeah. they use factories throughout the world. So they have large audiences all over the place, from Australia, Canada, US, Europe, uh, Asia. There's buyers all over the world. And 
they are one of the largest print-on-demand only marketplaces, right? There are larger marketplaces. So for example, Etsy, Etsy is a larger marketplace. You could probably make more money per sale on Etsy, but for a beginner, it's more complex to set it up. You'd have to find a print-on-demand service. You'd have to set it up. The rules are more stringent. So if you break the rules or if you don't understand them properly, you get kicked off easier. Um, uh, Etsy is very much geographically different than Redbubble. Redbubble is more of a global platform, so you have a global audience, whereas Etsy, generally speaking, is more US-focused or US-centric. Um, so it really depends, but I like Redbubble as a platform where you can make sales, you can make a profit on each sale, and it's a really good way for you to kind of get your feet wet in terms of understanding that you can upload these designs and make sales. Um, you can also make really kind of cool things on Redbubble, so you can have categories. So if you wanted to have a group of designs that are all related to one item, you can create a category for that. And then you can have different shops. And uh, there's a social aspect to Redbubble as well. So you can actually connect with other um, designers. And of course, you can drive traffic to it. But one of the things I like about Redbubble is when you create designs, they take a portion of all the sales and they put those into marketing designs. So what you'll find is um, if you create a listing on Redbubble, if it makes sales, you will more than likely find it on Google Shopping. So they'll actually create Google Shopping ads for you, like listings on Google Shopping for you automatically. And so I find that they drive traffic well. And so for me, if you're new and you're not driving traffic directly yourself, which you certainly can, but let's say you're just doing it organically, uh, Redbubble will be driving traffic to your listings. And the more sales you make, the more traffic they drive to you. So, um, for those reasons, if somebody's a total beginner and they wanted to start with a platform, I might recommend Redbubble. That being said, if Merch by Amazon is open and available, which happens to be closed right now, it's a great place to like very simply upload a design and have it sold on Amazon. And Amazon, of course, has huge volume. So if your design gets traction, it can make a lot of sales. However, the competition is fierce on Merch by Amazon. It's very aggressive. Uh, there are tools specifically made to identify hot selling items. And so if you make more than like two or three sales on a particular design within a day, probably within 48 hours, so literally less than two days later, you'll have other people just surrounding your listing with similar designs, similar listings, similar keywords. So you kind of get drowned out really fast. I find Redbubble is a little bit more forgiving because the tools aren't quite geared as specifically for that than it is for Merch by Amazon. And again, it changes over time, right? So it's always changing. So someone is asking, is it best to do Shopify and multiple fulfillments or go to Redbubble, Amazon, or Teespring directly? This is personal preference. So um, if you want to build a brand and if you want to augment an existing brand, certainly I think Shopify is a great venue for that. You can build an audience. You can... Um, capture their client data so you can collect emails and you can retarget them, remarket to them. Um, you also have amazing uh, abilities to create unique listings. So on Shopify, you could bundle things uh, correctly, like not correctly, but you could like create bundles of things. You could, you could have coupons, you could have discounts. Um, you can offer cart abandonment fulfillment services, right? So if somebody goes and adds something to their cart in Shopify and then they don't buy it, you can like retarget them, which is kind of a nice feature. Um, you also have the ability to see all the analytics with Shopify. So you can connect it to Google Analytics. You can actually connect it to other analytics as well. So um, if you wanted to connect it to Pinterest analytics or Twitter analytics, you can actually follow the demand and see the incoming and outgoing traffic to the site. Um, you control the domains. You can actually control where it is, where it's shown. 
there's a lot of advantages and disadvantages to each of these, right? But like Shopify offers you a very wide gamut of seller options, right? And then with and that's just talking about how you make your listings, right? Within that, you can have one or more print-on-demand services connected to a single Shopify store. So you could connect, let's say, Guten, um, which might you may want to have like puzzles, for example, like you know, little puzzles that you put together to pieces with an actual design on it um, and have that through Guten through your Shopify store. But then you might want to use uh, AOP or all over prints uh, to have an all over, I don't know, socks or something like that, right? So you could have different print on demand services for different items within one Shopify store. So with that sense, there's a lot of flexibility. It, go back to the same question again, because I... I it is a long answer and I apologize, but it, it's important to kind of get a, a perspective on it. So if you go to something like Redbubble or Amazon, those are marketplaces. And so you're going to be able to get some level of organic traffic. You can certainly drive more traffic to it, but Redbubble is going to give you organic traffic. Merch by Amazon is going to give you organic traffic that comes through Amazon itself. And of course, if you drive more traffic to it, you're more likely to make a sale. Um, so with Merch by Amazon, you can create... Um, uh, ads on Amazon and like PPC ads to drive traffic to your Amazon listing. Uh, something like Teespring. Teespring has less of a marketplace. It's more of a platform. So it allows you to display the item. It's got great um, buyer features. It's got like a countdown timer. There's all kinds of different things you can do with it. You can't do in other platforms. And it's a good place to drive traffic too. So if you plan on paying for your traffic and driving traffic to your listings, Teespring might have a bit of an edge to some of the other platforms because you could drive traffic and it has really good tools to capture a sale that's been driven to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but organically, you're not going to get a ton of sales from Teespring probably. Um, that being said, if you do have a successful listing on Teespring, it also has integrations into other marketplaces. And this is something that just like blows people's mind. The more you look into it, the crazier it gets. So you can have a listing on Teespring and then you might find that that listing is showing up on walmart.com. Well, this is oh. totally different, right? Because now you get a, a huge marketplace like Walmart and they're driving traffic to your Teespring listing, right? Or Rakuten, right? So Rakuten may be driving uh, ads and those ads are giving you sales on Teespring. All of a sudden Teespring looks more traffic, right? The same listing on Teespring might also be showing up on eBay, right? You don't even connect it, but it happens automatically, right? So if you meet certain criteria on certain platforms, they will... Um, put your listings on other marketplaces. And this is something where it, there's so much detail and there are so many different ways to do each one of these things individually. It's an enormous amount of information, right? I, I literally did a 15 week, uh, two hours per week plus um, overview of the different print on demand marketplaces. And I only covered 15 marketplaces. Wow. And I each feel like one of them course already. <laughs> well, it's just it's just a totally so the thing the thing about print on demand that I found is first of all, a lot of people have never heard of print on demand, right? So they hear about it and they're like, wow, what you you're talking I can make I can like draw something on my cell phone and upload it to a marketplace and then make sales. That's uh, right. unbelievable, right? And exactly. you can make sales, but if somebody buys it, I don't have to restock my inventory. I don't have to worry about international shipping. They'll ship it anywhere in the world. That's crazy, right? But yeah. not only that, I can make many items. So I could sell bathing suits and skateboards and, I don't know, shower curtains and yeah. pillows 
all at the same time. You can do all that stuff with print on demand, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's like Pandora's box. You open the box and the detail goes on and on and on. And unless you've heard about it or unless you find out the information about any one of these specific things, it's almost impossible for you to just sort of like organically happen to come across it, right? You might stumble across it, but it's hard to find information about some of these specific details, right? Right. So yeah, I'm going to go back to the original question of like, how did I get into this? Um, people started asking me a lot of questions because I was showing them new platforms and new types of products and like new integrations that they'd never heard of before. And so I started writing it all down and I ended up making a book. It's called Merch in the World of Print on Demand. And it's not like a thin book. It's a thick book. There's more, it's more than 300 pages. And a lot of the book is actual content. Like it's written content. You read it and you learn things, right? And so... And it's not just an ebook. It's an actual book, right? <laughs> it's not like it's, a... Well, it's page. both. It's, it's both. So... Yeah, I mean, it's a real book. So yeah. you can get it in print on Amazon, or you can also get it through Gumroad. The advantage of getting the ebook version or the Gumroad version is um, you can do search, right? So you can search within the book. And quite often, if you're looking for an answer to a specific question, it's easier and faster to search for it within the ebook than it is to go on Google and find out because, um, you know, Google is clouded with all kinds of answers and all kinds of information where this is very curated and it's very specifically laid out to explain how things work. Like, this is how you set up this integration. You do this, 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 and this. You get to like step 14 and you're done. You, you've set it up. It's completely set up, right? Or uh, how do you connect, let's say Printful to eBay? Well, it, it tells you exactly how to connect uh, Printful to eBay. Or how do I connect? Here's one for you. Did you know you could connect print-on-demand listings on amazon.com and have them automatically fulfilled when somebody buys them on Amazon outside of Merch by Amazon. So all the people who right now who are worried about Merch by Amazon being shut down because they're making tons of sales there, all you've got to do is connect those same listings with the same price, the same items through an external print-on-demand service, and you can list them on Amazon.com through Amazon Seller Central. This has a lot of advantages. With Merch by Amazon, you can't see the keywords, right? So you don't know why people are buying your listing. With Amazon Seller Central, you can. You can see the keywords, right? With uh, Amazon Seller Central, you can also see whether it's getting traffic or not, who's going to my site, how many people are going to the site, where are they coming from, all this kind of information, right? So um, there's a huge advantage of selling on Amazon through Seller Central versus Amazon through Merch by Amazon. And it's bizarre because they're both listings on Amazon, right? The advantage that Merch by Amazon has as a listing is that you automatically get the Prime badge, right? A lot of people shop on Amazon and looking for Prime, right? right. So there, there, there are some very um, lesser known integrations that you can use to sell a lot of product with print on demand on some huge platforms. Like if you want to connect print on demand through Walmart, you can do it. In the book, I show you exactly how to go through it. Like what service you use to connect, what you need, what are the like um, pieces of information you need to get to create a Walmart uh, third-party seller account, and then how to connect that to a print-on-demand service. This has a lot of value, in my opinion. Um, now, some people will read it and be like, wow, that's too much. I don't, I'll just skip over that. I'll go to the next page, right? It's over 300 pages, and each page is filled with things that you could do to drive more traffic. So people kind of pick and choose what they feel like doing. 
but it has a lot of like how to and what is type of information, right? Right. Let's talk about the book in a bit. Uh, and we also sure. have, um, we'll post the link over here as well. Let's just address a couple of questions. We have quite a few questions here. Let's just go yeah, through these. Absolutely. Quick. Yeah. I'd love to answer a lot of questions. Is it sent in your packaging or just plain packaging? So I it guess depends it on depends, the service. depends on the service. Yeah. 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 So if you, you do like uh, merch for packaging? Amazon, it's going to be sent and shipped from Amazon. So it's going to be Amazon's packaging, right? If you do something like um, Printful, I believe you have a choice, right? So you could just send it through Printful's packaging, or you could do white label packaging or plain packaging, right? Or you could put your brand on the packaging for some of the print-on-demand platforms. Um, something like Redbubble, if you list on Redbubble, Redbubble is a marketplace. And when they are sent, it's sent in. I don't think I have one on hand here, but it's sent in a Redbubble package. They have very clear branding for Redbubble on it. Um, but you can use print-on-demand platforms that have plain packaging, and you can actually have print-on-demand where you choose the packaging design, right? So you can actually design the packaging. Um, Gearbubble is a good example of this. So Gearbubble allows you to do um, some different choices. And Gear Launch, sorry, Gearbubble and Gear Launch are very similar. They both have gear in them. So Gear Launch allows you to have your own packaging. And not only that, but your own customer service that's actually handled by them, right? So if you use Gear Launch, and you want to put a 1-800 number on your uh, items so people can call if they need support. When somebody calls that 1-800 number, even though it's the uh, gear launch is answering the phone for you, they answer it with your customer information based on the number that you've given them. So that's another question that comes up. Who does customer service? And again, it depends yeah. on the platform. It depends on whether it's a, a marketplace or whether it's a fulfillment service and who's delivering it. Um, but to answer your question, it can be plain packaging or it can be branded packaging. And it depends on the, it depends on the platform and the service. That's good to know. So yep. yeah, this is another question. I got a website on Shopify store in Australia. So who I can connect with, please recommend. So it should be Redbubble. Should so they, be have, one, right? they have a Shopify store in Australia. Okay. So they have a Shopify store. I'm assuming that they market to people in Australia because the store itself is online. So it's all over yes. the world, right? Yes. Um, can I connect with someone recommend? Okay, so I think the question is, who would I recommend for somebody who has a Shopify store that's catering to people in Australia? The answer is any marketplace that ships to Australia, right? So you can look at the marketplace and see if it's being printed in Australia or not. Redbubble does have printing facilities in Australia, but so does other, so do other marketplaces. So it really just depends. It's kind of a case-by-case -case basis. Um, so you can look to see, for example, is it printed in the same place as your buyers are typically located? That would be good for shipping time, but it might also compromise you on selection or quality or some other metric. So it kind of depends. Uh, that's not a, that's not like a one marketplace best answer type of thing. And I mean, like something like Redbubble, if you have a Shopify store, you don't connect Redbubble to Shopify. That's not a yeah, that's not a that's not a common integration. So it's not really the best way to go about it. What you would want to do is go into the Shopify marketplace, look at the print on demand facilities that are available through the apps in the Shopify store and then check to see. I mean, you really kind of have to go through them individually and check which ones have manufacturing in or near Australia if that's your target market and if shipping time is an important uh, buyer behavior. Right. Because you might have buyers that are more sensitive about price than shipping time. And in that case, you know, maybe you want to ship from 
um, somewhere nearby to Australia rather than in Australia, right? So if it takes one extra day, what is that worth to a buyer and which do they prefer? Mm. So there's not really a very clear answer to that, but uh, hopefully that helps. What types of marketing are you using to get traffic to your Amazon listings? So me personally, when I list on print on demand, I generally target organic traffic. So I'm not driving traffic to any of my listings. Um, there's a number of reasons why personally I do it that way. One is I'm on a lot of platforms. So I'm on uh, like more than 25 different marketplaces and that's not including geographic marketplace differences. We're, we're talking individual marketplaces, right? Um, and because of that, I also have happened to have a lot of designs and each design has its own title, its own keywords, its own description. And I've got spreadsheets that I use to keep track of these things. Um, and so I generally tend to attract traffic organically through SEO. That isn't the only way to do it, but that's how I do it myself. Um, if you're wanting to send traffic to a, it depends on the Amazon listing. So if it's an Amazon listing and it's a print on demand, but it's through Amazon Seller Central. Personally, I would look to external social media. In particular, I would focus on things like Pinterest, uh, TikTok, uh, Tumblr. These are marketplaces where the traffic itself is very inexpensive. If you compare it to pay-per-click traffic within Amazon, it is much less expensive and you are driving traffic to your listing, right? So this is a print-on-demand listing, you're driving traffic to it. If, however, it's um, something like Merch by Amazon. You may want to drive traffic internally on Amazon because you're kind of targeting Amazon buyers and not just general buyers. So it really depends on who you're targeting and where those buyers are located, right? Um, but traffic from outside of Amazon is generally cheaper than traffic inside of Amazon. That being said, traffic inside of Amazon is kind of a hot buyer. Like they're usually there to buy, right? So right. it kind of depends. So do you make a percentage on each product that sells? So not sure which specific platform she's referring to. Yeah, so if you look at print on demand, you can get paid in different ways, right? So Merch by Amazon pays you a royalty based on each sale and you actually do set your own sale price. And so when you set the price, it tells you how much royalty you'll get for that particular sale. If you look at other platforms like Redbubble, again, you do set your own price so you can see how much you'll make per sale based on that. So you're actually setting a percentage uh, whereas Merch by Amazon is more of a calculation, so it's it's not a straight it's not like a straight percentage. It's not a um, it's not a linear scale like it's a non-linear scale. Um, so de it depends on the marketplace. If you look at something like um, T Public, T Public was actually bought by Redbubble, so T Public and Redbubble are actually owned by the same company now. But T Public has flat rate pricing, and so the price, you don't actually set the price. You just get a set commission based on the item that's sold and different items have different amounts that you get. Also, they have promotions. And so during a promotion, they might give you full commission. They may give you a partial commission, but the commission is set. It's a fixed price, right? Mm -hmm. So each marketplace will allow you to price things differently. Etsy, for example, you can price it whatever you want. You can lose money on a sale, right? And there may be an advantage to losing money on a sale. Maybe you're losing money on a sale to gain a client that you can retarget off of Etsy later. And if that's the case, uh, you might make a ton of profit on that uh, buyer connection in the future, right? So you might actually want to sell at a loss. I don't recommend it, but that's a potential strategy that you could use. Or some people will target uh, price ranges, right? So they'll target outside of the mass buyer, they'll target specific buyer price ranges. So 
I've seen people have success with listings that are at the very bottom and they're like the most cheapest listing for that type of item, right? They'll do that to get reviews, for example, on Amazon. And then once you have the reviews and you have that um, sort of uh, engagement, then they'll start to raise price over time. It's a very popular strategy for Merch by Amazon listings. Um, other people will start at a high price and then they'll drop it down and trigger a bunch of like um, price watch services or price watch um, I don't know, services or people are watching for price drops. There's different ways to price things. And then there's also different categories and qualities of different items. And each one of them pays differently. The platforms, they pay differently. Some of them are percentage. Some of them are royalty. Some of them are the spread between the buy and the cost for what you're buying and selling. Um, it does depend on the platform and the marketplace. And again, it's hard to answer all these questions, not necessarily because there's not a, an answer. It's because there's so many answers for each question. And that's, right. I don't want to keep coming back to this, but I literally wrote this <laughs> to answer, to get it. I get into the weeds in the book. Like I get into like, what is this marketplace? How does it work? Right. How does this other marketplace work? And um, how do you get paid on this particular marketplace? How do you optimize an existing listing? How do you take a design and put it across multiple marketplaces and make each listing uh, optimal for its own marketplace, right? So it's it's very it's very detailed, right? And how you implement it can really make or break your entire business model. And there is more than one business model. There's a lot of different ways to do it, right? Right. How do you come up with design ideas? Yeah, so... <laughs> Again, people do this differently. Print on demand is so crazy. It's like a whole different universe, right? Yeah. So um, some people will go and they'll see what are the most popular things currently, right? So like what are some designs that are making sales? And you can actually go and use tools like Merchant Former or Merch Titans uh, or Merch Ninja. These are three different platform or, uh, tools. Each one of these tools allows you to see specifically, and they're all designed to work with Merch by Amazon on Amazon using the actual data from Amazon. Um, you can actually see which designs are making the most sales, right? So you can see at what price point do people make the most sales? What's the design title? What's the actual image? Like what's the listing? You can see all the listing information and you can see which ones are making the most sales. So if you want to target something that you know there's buyers for, you can use a tool like that and you can make stuff that you know has an audience, right? Other people will just kind of have a notebook handy, right? They'll just take notes. They'll be like, oh, that's interesting. I'll write that down and they'll write it down. And they'll be like, well, I wonder... You know, I noticed my neighbor's gardening today. So maybe I'm going to make a gardening design today. And well, what kind of gardening is it? Are they making like fruit trees? Are they making plants? Are they making flowers uh, that bloom? Or are they making edible garden? Right? They're totally different consumer potentially, right? Or is it somebody that's doing landscaping? Maybe somebody is doing cutting the grass or maybe they're trimming hedges or maybe they're raking leaves if they're in a place where the leaves fall off the trees, right? There's all kinds of ways that you could come up with a concept or an idea. And it's almost limitless. Like it's, you could just look, go to an airport and see what other people's shirts. They're clearly people are buying these things because they're wearing them, right? So there's text-based phrases. There's image-based designs. Um, there's people that make designs based around the object they're making a design for. So, for example, if you're making a yoga mat, right, it's probably not going to work as great as a um, text-based design. You might want a pattern design so it actually looks like a nice pattern. Whereas if you're making like a t-shirt, maybe a text-based design is better where you actually have like a phrase or a saying or a joke or like a quirky pun or something like that, right? Um, and if you want ideas for these, they're literally everywhere. So you could just read the news and see what people are holding up on their signs. They're protesters, right? Like they're protesting something. So 
you could uh, make a design that caters to anything that somebody is passionate about because passionate people tend to buy products they're passionate about. So if somebody's really, you know, maybe they're really, really into electric cars, right? So they just love electric cars. So maybe you want to make a whole series of designs, like a hundred different designs, just for people who love electric cars, right? There's other people who'll be like, no, no, forget electric cars. I'm into classic cars, right? I like like the the big engines, right? I want a muscle car, right? So you might make a whole bunch of different designs that are catered to that group of people who's passionate about muscle cars, about big engines and fast cars, or like old classic cars, right? Um, or you might say, okay, well, like there's a whole audience that's really not into cars. They're into trucks, right? So maybe you'd make a whole different bunch of designs that cater to people who are into trucks or into truck things, right? So there's, I mean, it's like saying, how do you come up with a product idea for Amazon? Well, it turns out Amazon sells a lot of things to a lot of people and you kind of have to just kind of look, right? So some people base it on data. So you can look and see what do people buy and then based on that, make designs around things that you know an audience is there for. Or you could say, okay, what is a, an underreached target market? So for example, uh, people that like adult coloring, it's a, there's a lot of people that color, they have coloring books, they buy tons and tons of pencils and coloring books and maybe some of them are into pencil crowns, maybe some of them are into crowns, like wax crowns, maybe some other people like felt tip markers and they like to color with those. Um, each one of those is a subset of a niche, right? So a niche of a niche. Um, so within the industry, within print on demand, there's some terms that people use. So you want to go wide or you want to go deep, right? So wide would be like everybody who likes coloring. There's all kinds of different coloring, but deep might be like, I want to really specifically, you know, talk about people who like multicolored wax crowns because that's a very specific group of people, right? And if they're online searching for that thing and you have a design that's specific to that specific group, you're very likely to come up in their search because they're going to be looking for multicolored wax crowns. And if that's part of your design and that, you know, the thing that you put on a shirt, for example, targets that group, well, and all of a sudden that's good. I should also point out print on demand. So when I, the whole time we've been talking, we have a general slant or def, definite tilt towards articles of clothing, right? We're talking about t-shirts a lot or shirts yeah. or sweatshirts, things yeah, you put a big design the first on. thing that comes to mind actually when you think of print on demand. Yeah, and so that's kind of the common thing that people do. So what happens is when people get into print on demand, if they don't know what else is available, they're going to gravitate towards that. But it turns out there's a lot of designers targeting T-shirts. Imagine if you were the one designer who was targeting uh, gift wrapping paper, right? That, and then all of a sudden you've just eliminated all the T-shirt people. You don't even care what they make because you're not making T-shirts. You're making gift wrappers, right? Or you'd say, okay, well, I'm going to become like the print-on-demand person for skateboards, and I'm going to sell them on Dazzle. I'm going to have a whole skateboard line. In fact, I'm going to target skateboard shops, right? And then I'm going to have a Shopify store, and I'm going to drive traffic to my Shopify store, and I'm going to sell skateboards there. And then each one of them is going to have a unique design. There's different types of skateboards, and some of them are long boards, and some of them are flat boards, and some of them are display boards. Some of them are for competition use. I mean, you could have entire product lines that are using print on demand, but have absolutely nothing to do with t-shirts, right? So um, when print other products, how do you manage product quality? I mean, skateboards, you know, that's uh, product quality is of course, super, super important for a, a product like skateboards. So how do you manage yeah. that? I mean, you don't have control over the quality of the product actually. Uh, so you, well, so some people will order the product and see what it looks like. And some people will find out what is the technology used for the creation of the product. And so the technology sometimes determines the quality with the, in the world of print on demand. So um, 
I don't know how to put this nicely, but if somebody is offering print on demand, and let's say they have um, 10,000 different people using that print on demand service for print on demand, that would be like low, that would be a low number of users, right? If you start to produce products that are not of the highest quality and you have customer complaints or customer um, issues with your product, that news spreads like crazy, right? And you'll get influencers, it just, it like filters up, right? And so you end up getting a whole bunch of people hearing about a service or a product or print on demand service where, you know, one person has a bad design and they go post it in a group and the group's got 20,000 people in it. And then everybody's like, oh, okay, we're never gonna use this service ever because they had a bad design one time, right? Or they missed an order or it was late or, you know, they shipped it to the wrong address or, they received a mug and it was broken or things like that, right? And so what tends to happen with print on demand is there's so many people using each service. If the quality drops even for a moment, it ripples very fast. Like news travels fast, right? Um, I'll give you an example. Merch by Amazon in 2016 in December, um, they stopped manufacturing because they ran out of like certain sizes and colors of shirts, which is not expected, but the demand was so huge, they ran out, so they had to stop, right? And then in 2017, the same thing happened again, they ran out of stock again. In 2018, they had other problems, right? 2019 was pretty smooth. Well, you just had three years in a row with problems. Every single December, there's a problem. Do you think some people switched and used other print-on-demand services during that time? You bet they did. Right. Does that mean that it's a bad service? Absolutely not. It's a huge service. They do tons of shirts. They have millions of clients. Right. Um, they fulfilled many perfect orders during that time. So it, it's kind of. Um, again, it's kind of hard to, to answer, but something like a private label, if you have a manufacturer and they start making defective products or they start making things that are broken or they start shipping you with poor quality, what do you do? You, you talk to them. You try and solve it. Do you drop them? Do you pick up a competitor? Right? Like print on demand is very competitive, right? Mm -hmm. The prices are competitive. The types of products that are available are competitive. And so what generally tends to happen is you get the highest quality of everything. And there's some cases where somebody is really, really reaching for price. Maybe they'll have a bit of a lower quality stock based shirt, but you better believe they print on it using the same printers as the high quality shirt, right? Yeah. Because if they make bad print jobs, people stop using them. Their whole business explodes. Yeah. Just like a manufacturer of like clay pots or something. If they start making bad clay and it breaks every time you put something in, in it, like the, the business doesn't last, right? And print on demand is very competitive. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, Printful. Printful is a large print on demand supplier to platforms. So lots of people on Shopify use Printful, just as an example, okay? If you look at Shopify businesses that are using Shopify as their backend platform, it's over a million. So more than a million businesses are currently using Shopify as their e-commerce platform. That's a lot of businesses, each business over a million, right? Within that group of a million, more than a hundred thousand of them use Printful. Okay. So we're talking more than a hundred thousand businesses for sure. So more than a hundred thousand businesses are currently using Printful at the moment, okay? I heard some people say, I'm never using Printful because they weren't meeting my shipping times on time. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. You're not gonna use it. But then this person happened to be an influencer. I'm not gonna mention any names because you know, people get uh, upset about it. But if somebody says to their entire audience, I'm not using Printful because I had a bad print job and they missed you know, 13 orders out of the last 6,000 that I made, 
So I recommend everybody uses this other service instead. Many people will move to that other service, but there's still like more than 100,000 people using Printful. So does that mean it's bad or is it good? How do you define that, right? They're still in business and they're expanding extremely rapidly, right? The other thing is um, capacity issues. So one of the challenges for any print-on-demand manufacturer is that you do get a huge spike in Q4. Like it really ramps up. It's not even close. It's not double or triple. It's like 10 times as much, right? Um, because you don't run out of inventory uh, from a listing standpoint. And so all the listings are always active all the time. And it's not like Amazon fulfilled by Amazon. When you run out, you kind of delist it because it's not available anymore. With print-on-demand, it's always available, right? And so what happens is you'll get a run on a certain thing, right? So like black large t-shirts from Amazon, right? From Merch by Amazon, they consistently sell a lot of those. And it can be difficult to literally supply the blanks to fulfill all of demand. So sometimes you'll get like a product specific size or a specific color that's, you know, out of stock, but it's very rare. Right. That totally makes sense. So Stephen is asking, are POD Printify shops still printing or should we wait until COVID-19? Yeah, that's a good question. I was going to ask that as well. Yeah, so uh, I'd have to look up the specific print-on-demand because I don't, like, there's more than 100 print-on-demand services and each one of them is changing on a, you know, day-by-day -day basis with COVID-19. So if we're talking about Printify specifically, I'd have to go to Printify and look it up. Uh, you can Google it. So I'll do that during the call here. No, I don't mind. I'll go check but then if, if someone wants to start a print-on-demand business now, yeah. is, that, is it a good time to do it now or should we just wait after the dust settles and everything? Because the other thing is that, you know, we're in uncertain times. We don't know what the next few months will look like. What if uh, we're in a recession? Is this still a good business model to do in a recession? I mean, will people be looking for, you know, cool T-shirts when they're kind of just focusing on essentials and they're buying products that they really need not really products that they want. Um, is this still a good business model? I think that the business model is still very good. And the manufacturer will change based on who's making it and how the platform is set up. So Printify is a specific example because they don't make all of their own shirts. They outsource them, right? So Printable generally tends to have a gigantic catalog and they may have multiple providers making the exact same shirt. Some of those providers may be paused or shut down because of geographic restrictions. So for example, if your Printify printer is located in California in, I don't know, like San Francisco, and they have a uh, non-essential business stoppage, and that's the only factory that they make all their design or they're all manufacturing from, then that specific supplier within Printify is just not available. So if that was your primary one that you used in your Shopify store, then you know, you might want to look at a different supplier, even within Printify, right? So I just put a link to it inside of the chat. Then maybe you could like highlight that and put that up for Steven, because I, I think it'll answer his question. So if yeah, you go to printify.com yeah. together through COVID-19, mm -hmm. um, it they do have a whole page explaining it. Um, so Printify uses multiple providers to provide their fulfillment service so they're not it's it's kind of like similar to redbubble redbubble uses multiple providers to use their service um so they have some examples you can have a replacement so if you have a design and you want to replace it with a different provider you can use that you could have order routing so if if one provider is unavailable you can automatically route it route it from a different provider to fulfill 
you can migrate it so you can actually change who the provider is for your listing. Um, you can switch on and off your listings depending on if the provider is not available or not. It, it really is a complex answer. It's a simple question, right? Like, should yeah. I use Printify or not? Yes, Printify is still making shirts. And yes, you can still add it to your shop. Some of the providers within Printify itself are not operational at the moment. When are they going to come back? I don't know. Could be tomorrow. Could be next week. Could be a month from now. We don't know. Um, I'm not a fortune teller, right? I can't <laughs> tell you what's going to happen. Exactly. And, right. I, I, don't, I, I, and I don't mean to give... Yeah. I don't mean to give a flippant answer uh, for Steven because it's a good question. Yeah. But um, if you look at, I'll give you a different example. So there's a company called Shirtly, right? And Shirtly uh, recently got a whole bunch of exposure within uh, a large buyer community. And they have the ability to ramp up really quickly. They happen to be based in Ontario. So uh, in Ontario is the province that I'm in inside of Canada. And Ontario has a non-essential service stop order. However, there's an exception is it does not apply to online businesses within mm -hmm. Ontario. So surely, even though there is a non-essential business um, sort of like pause, like not you're not allowed to operate a restaurant, for example, with a sit-in service, um, surely is virtually unaffected by that legal change because they're an online business and they fall under the exception. So... Mm -hmm. Could it be a good service to use during COVID-19? Well, yeah, at the moment, it's probably phenomenal because the work order has already been issued and they are not shut down. So your odds are very good, right? Um, if you look at Merch by Amazon, they operate in multiple jurisdictions. They have print facilities in multiple states. And it just so happens that many of the multiple states they operate in all have work orders and there's no exception for online orders. And so they literally can't operate their factories. And so they can't make the prints. And so they shut it down just temporarily, right? Does that mean you should or shouldn't use Merch by Amazon? Well, if you're new to it, you don't have the option and you can't make listings at the moment. But mm -hmm. it's very likely that in the future it will become available again. And when it does, it is a good marketplace. It has uh, an enormous audience, right? So, um, yeah, to answer Steven's question, it depends on who your provider is within Printify. Awesome. Great. This is like so much information. I feel we should have uh, called this a masterclass. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, like I said, like I said, I have I have a 15 part series. It's there's no charge. It's free, right? If you type in Jacob Topping and then space and then whatever platform you have questions about, yeah. um, if it's one of the ones that I covered on YouTube, it'll probably come up come up and each one of those calls they're all live streams we actually yeah. go into the platform we set up an account we load example listings we go over like the file types what you can load what you can't load that's all free and there's like 15 different ones we did one a week for 15 weeks straight yeah um if you just type in jacob topping and then a print on demand marketplace it's more than likely to come up uh we didn't get into the individual fulfillment services at that time as part of that series because um at that time, people were really looking for marketplaces and marketplace information. But um, as people explore print on demand and decide how they want to use print on demand, the level or complexity of what they're looking for can change quite a bit. So, for example, and I'll give, and I want to, I know there's lots of different examples, and the answer to these questions sometimes is not straightforward. 
Um, it's not that it's not straightforward. It's just like a complex answer. Um, let's say you have an existing private label brand, right? You, you deal with people who supply and they get uh, items from India, right? You and I have yeah. talked about this. And so you're yeah. very good at this. You have a trip to India where people can go and meet suppliers and, and supply things, right? Yep. Let's say they wanted to augment an existing private label listing on Amazon with more content that was relevant to their brand, right? Mm -hmm. They could have their main private label product and then they could have like a halo of other products that all point and direct traffic to that one product with multiple listings. So you're capturing keywords across multiple listings, right? And you actually have products attached to each one of those listings, but the keywords are really all pointing you to in the direction of the private label product that you have. Mm -hmm. You can then drive additional traffic and capture many more keywords and have many, many listings driving traffic essentially to the central listing through related products. And, you know, this person also bought this or this person bundled with this or that. I mean, if you have one product with private label and you wanted to bundle it with like 200 different items, yeah, you can bundle a single product with 200 different other related items and all point them to your main private label product. So do you think your sales of that private label product would go up or down? Yeah. They're probably gonna go up, right? Definitely. Imagine having 200 listings, there. all of which contain your product, but they also have ancillary products. So um, I'll give you an example. Let's say you have, let's say you have like a, nutritional supplements and you're in a protein powders, right? So you have a product category and you have like a line. So maybe there's like 10 different, uh, 10 different protein powders within your lineup, right? And they're all in one single brand. And maybe they have a unified listing with like variations, or maybe you have a listing for each one. It doesn't really matter. Let's say you wanted to pair with that protein powder an assortment of sport drink cups, right? All of which happen to be available on print on demand. So you don't have to actually buy the mugs. You don't have to buy the cups, right? And you can have sports drinks holders, insulated, non-insulated, plastic, metal, um, all kinds of different materials, right? Some with a lid, some without a lid, so like all kinds of different things. And they all can be used to mix and drink your sports drink, you know, protein supplement lineup, right? So if each one of those listings that you have, let's say you normally have 10 listings just because you're trying to capture more audience that way, you could turn the 10 listings into like 200 listings, right? Mm -hmm. Just by adding 20 different mugs, each paired as a um, joint product with a print on demand item. But all of a sudden now you have 200 listings versus 10, which do you think is more likely to get more traffic, right? Let's say this, let's say you have a protein powder and you're white labeling it. And so your competitor uses exactly the same powder. It's exactly the same formulation. Everything's exactly the same. The ingredients are the same. The mix is the same. It's the exact same thing, right? You just, you have a different label on it. It's white label, right? All of a sudden you have 200 listings and they're all pointing traffic to that one supplement with attached products. And those products are all print on demand. So it costs you nothing to get the extra inventory. You have a competitive advantage. You have more keywords, you have more data, Right. Plus, if you turns out that somebody really likes a particular mug and you want to pick that up as a supplier for that mug, you could do that, too. Right. Mm -hmm. So there are some ways that you can use print on demand to really drive traffic in um, maybe some less common methods. Right. So some different ways you could do that. Is there also a service where people can send in their own products? Let's say I source a product, let's say a bag or something from India. And yeah. I want to send in the product to a, a print on demand service and get them to 
print, you know, whatever their des my design on on the product whenever there is an order. Does that is that possible? That's a great idea. So what you could do is you could find out a list of print on demand companies, the actual manufacturers that are applying design to something. Mm -hmm. And if the product that you have is something they could apply that design onto, you may want to contact them and say, hey, why don't you add this to your print on demand catalog? And maybe that mm -hmm. catalog is attached to a marketplace. And then all of a sudden you have a new stream. It's more of a business to business move. It's not business to consumer. And so right. you supply them with the blanks and they print whatever they're going to print on those blanks. And then they add that as a new product category. So there's, um, I'll give you an example. I have to look it up because I always forget the name of it. So sometimes I gotta look at my own book here. Um, where is it called? Arts ad. There's a print on demand called Arts ad. It's the most unusual one that I think of that's in my book. And Arts ad has all kinds of weird stuff. In my opinion, it's weird for print on demand. They have things like umbrellas and winter boots and lunch boxes. And like just things that you don't typically find in other print-on-demand services. But I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing. They're sourcing other products that they know they can print a design onto. And then they're just offering them as a unique item for print-on-demand. So if you add Arts Ad products to a Shopify store, your competition is like non-existent. Unless they've heard of that, they're probably not going to have winter boots with custom designs on them or umbrellas or lunch boxes or like they just have a whole bunch of really weird stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, but to answer your question, let's say um, let's say you make glassware and you make a specific kind of like uh, shot glasses, right? Mm -hmm. If you connect with somebody who happens to have a lineup of glassware within their print-on-demand manufacturing facility, it may make sense for you to partner with them and add your product to their catalog of offerings. But um, Zazzle is a great example of this. So Zazzle actually has a program where they partner with other manufacturers and then you basically plug into their API and they send you the designs and you just start manufacturing, right? So if you own the factory, if you're the actual factory, there's a good way that you can partner with a print-on-demand service like Zazzle. And, and they have like thousands of types of items, really yeah. stuff like bicycles and like furniture and, you know, mm -hmm. stuff that you don't like skateboards and things that you don't necessarily think of or see very often on other print-on-demand services. Zazzle is a great place to partner with if you're a manufacturer. Right. Let's take this last question and then let's sure. talk about your book a little bit before we start wrapping up here. Sure, why not? Okay. If you're not a designer, will it be tricky to outsource designs to freelancers? Who owns the rights to the designs? Oh, this is a good question. So, and this is a good lead-in into the book because you mentioned that you wanted to talk about it. So, um, where do you get the designs to put into whatever print-on-demand solution you happen to go with, right? So whether it's a marketplace or whether it's an integration with an existing store or whether it's an integration that connects to a marketplace, it doesn't really matter. The question is around designs, right? How, where do you get your designs and who owns the rights to them? So uh, in the book, I go through many different ways to get designs. So for one, I show you how to make your own designs. What tools can you use? I go through paid tools like Adobe Photoshop or Adobe um, uh, AI, what is it called? Adobe Illustrator. Um, things like that. It's kind of at the high end. I go through like Affinity Designer, which is similar to Adobe products, except there's a one-time fee, so you're not paying a monthly subscription to it. I go through free tools like Inkscape or GIMP, which are, again, like design tools that you can use, and they're free. They don't cost anything, right? So if you want to use those to make your designs, you can do that. 
if you wanted to not use your desktop, you want to make designs on your phone, right? I go through apps that you can use to make designs on your phone using images or using design elements, right? There's services and apps that you can use. Some of them are paid, some of them are free, some of them are free with a paid option, right? Um, I go into tablets, right? So if you don't want to use your phone, you want to use like an iPad or an Android tablet, uh, programs that you can use to make your own designs there. Um, I go into services that are online based. So let's say you don't want to use your device. You want to have it in the cloud or like on the web. So there's services, uh, that you can use to make designs on the web. So some of the services are built into other platforms and I go through which ones have them and which ones don't. Um, let's say you don't want to make any designs. Okay. I'm not a designer. I want to make no designs. I don't even want to make up text-based designs. I don't want to type in something and just load it up. Right. I want to pay somebody to make my designs. It's just where Ezekiel, I think, is heading. So who do I use, right? Do I go to Fiverr? Do I go to Design Pickle? Design Pickle is an unlimited design service where you can request an unlimited number of designs, and they make the designs for you, you know, five days a week. They just all day, every day, as many designs as you want. You play a flat, a flat fee, right? Mm -hmm. um, Floxy is another design service. Brandstrong is another design service. These are all considered unlimited design services. Uh, Penji is another one. Um, so you send them a description of what you want, and they make an original design using uh, either completely designed from scratch or using components of um, the image, which they have a licensed right to. And then they pass on that certification if they use another element. Uh, to you. So you actually have a certificate that says, you know, this is a design, you own it, it uses the picture, the picture is from Getty Images, here's the design license number reference and a certificate that says you have right to use that piece of the design. Right? So in terms of who owns the rights, when you pay a design service like that, you own the rights when it's created. And the tricky part is you got to find somebody who you trust to make the designs who owns the rights to make you the designs to give you the rights for what you're buying, right? So design services is great for that because that's their whole business is they make designs and they give you the rights to it, right? Um, or you could use a design service that's specific to print on demand, right? And in the book, I go through multiple design services where they have uh, ready-made for you designs. So you can buy a package of designs. You can say, okay, I want to buy like 50 designs that are Christmas-based designs. And, you know, maybe it's like Santa Claus coming down a Trimley. Maybe it's snowflakes. Maybe another one's like snowmen. Another one is like Christmas trees. Another one is like Christmas in July. But there's 10 designs in each pack, and you're buying a pack of 50 altogether. So you're getting 50 different designs. Um, and all the designs are there. And then within that, some of those design services give you just the design, right, and then the rights to it. Or some of them give you the design and the description so you know exactly what it is that you're doing. Some of them give you the keywords right? Some of them just don't even give you a design. They give you the, the title and the keywords, and they allow you to use that to use your design service or make your own. Um, I also, like in the book, I go through how you can automate 100% of your business. There's a whole chapter on it, chapter seven. And in that, I show you how to outsource, right? So if you wanted to create a virtual assistant team of designers, how to find them, and I go through not just one, but I go through multiple different services where you can create um, outsourced teams of designers, um, either through a design platform or through a virtual assistant where you can select like designers as the type of person that you want to hire. Um, so I show you how to do all of those things in the book. Um, I also go through services. 
where you are buying time from an existing designer. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can get the designs. And I go through, uh, there, there's more than 20 different ways in the book where I go through multiple services for each of those ways to get the designs. So everything from like make your own, pay somebody, train somebody, hire somebody, uh, forget about the person, just buy the designs. There's like many different ways to get the designs, whether everything across the full range from like I design nothing to I design everything. It's all the way in between. And the book covers all of those. Um, and it goes in, in depth on each of them. Wow. I just I was just thinking, and somebody uh, had a question over here as well. Can yeah. users personalize the the messages on the product so for example if i wanted to if i wanted to allow people to put their name or you know maybe if they want to gift a, a a cup or a mug or something to somebody can they put their the person's name on it for example i bought my son a book and that book was personalized with his name so there's a story in the book and then the the main character is actually my son. So, you know, his, his name was in the book. It's a personalized book. Is that an option at all on any of these services? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's different ways you can do that. Um, if you look at a platform, like a marketplace, for example, Zazzle, mm -hmm. virtually all of the Zazzle designs allow automatic customization. So you're going to design, uh, let's say a picture of a dinosaur and you're going to market it as a design, a dinosaur birthday t-shirt for example. Um, so you would load that up onto Zazzle and then anybody who clicks on that can just click on a button that says customize and they can add somebody's name to it or like fill in the blank or like happy birthday, Joanne or whatever um, onto that existing design. So the entire platform, the marketplace is designed to do that. Um, there's other places like, for example, let's say if you want to do that on Amazon through Amazon custom and there's print on demand uh, services that you can connect to Amazon custom and offer customized, customized custom designs. So mm -hmm. the listing itself would be the item and it would be the design. And then you can offer customization around that. So whether it's names or places or labels or whatever you want to add to it. Um, and there's print on demand services that you can connect to that. So uh, print tech is an example of one uh, it's print and then T E C H I believe. Um, and Printech uses uh, T-Rex as their backend, and they offer print-on-demand with customization and integration. So they integrate with Amazon, Etsy, Shopify, and WooCommerce. So any one of those four areas you can connect to. And then within Shopify and WooCommerce, you could then uh, connect that onto other marketplaces. And that's where it gets a little bit more complex. Wow, that's awesome. So, so the answer is definitely you can offer uh, customization on top of print-on-demand. So not only is it print-on-demand with a custom design, but you can actually have personalized custom print-on-demand designs. So yes. Brilliant, brilliant. So Robin says, thank you. I've been looking at where to expand my simple eBay business to been thinking about this for years just to know how to do it. Thank you so much. Yes. So yeah, Jason is the person to, to help you with this. So let's, um, uh, so for the book, um, there is um, a link to buy the book and I can't paste it uh, via StreamYard. So I'm going to go and paste the link over here in, in, uh, in the live video for all of the different um, on all of the different posts where this is being streamed live. So it's um, it's on Gumroad, the ebook, yep. uh, And you can also get it as a print version. So do you want to talk a little bit about the book as I'm uh, going to the different posts and just pasting the I link can, there? Yeah. 
you can actually put you can actually put your link, the Gumroad link, um, directly into the Streamyard. So I put it in the private chat. You click there, you can copy it. No, and for then, some reason it says I can't post comments to any of my current destinations here. I'm I tried to do that, but yeah, it's not allowing me to do it from Streamyard. So I'm just gonna go on Facebook directly from my phone, and then gonna paste the link in in all of the different. Uh, but you you made a comment on Facebook, so you can bring up your own comment in. Yeah, I just made it from here. <laughs> right, but you because you're showing Robin's comment, right? Yeah. On Facebook on Streamer. So click yeah. on your own comment and then it comes up. I'll just show my comment. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me just that's, post that's uh, the link to it. Yeah, yeah. So people will need to type it in. But um, yeah. okay. So yeah, so how many? Yeah. <laughs> right. So so let's get into that. So the so I've got the physical book here, right? And the reason I do that is primarily because I like to look into a physical book, but you can get this whole book with all the exact same content as an ebook. Um, and it offers you a lot of advantages. So for example, um, in throughout the book, there are links to things. Um, so it, like literally every page has different links to different things. So let's say you wanted to go to Google Trends and find out what item is trending if you're trying to do some uh, research design. Let me just think of it here. So Google Trends here. And so I'll have the actual link there. In the book, I've printed it out so you can actually read it and type it in. But if you have the ebook, you can just click on it, right? You just click on it and it goes directly to the uh, to the link. So trends.google.com slash trends. Um, the book itself covers many different aspects of print on demand. So it goes from everything like what is print on demand? How does it physically work? Like what is the actual process, right? How do you get designs into a website so that you can make a listing so that people can buy it? Uh, what happens when somebody clicks on a listing, like technically what's going on, right? So they click on the listing and then the print on demand service receives that order. They print the item onto the item that they're making. So for example, they print uh, the ink onto a shirt or they print the ink onto a shot glass or they print the ink onto a carpet uh, or um, however it's manufactured. And then once it's manufactured, they send that custom item that's just been created to the buyer. So it goes into depth about like literally how that happens. And then it goes into uh, tools that you would use for print on demand. So things to like make your own um, designs. So different software that you can use across many platforms and different devices. So I cover like mobile phones, uh, tablets, desktop, and I go for like both Mac and PC, both iPad, uh, Android, tablets, uh, Androids, iPhones, they have different apps for the different marketplaces. Um, some marketplaces actually have mobile apps that you can download and you can do designs directly. So for example, one that I love, I love when I'm doing like live presentations, I do it speaking at different conferences and stuff. I don't know if you watched the white label presentation that when we met in London or not, but I actually did uh, a live demo during, during my live presentation where I brought up a mobile app uh, it was called uh, Rage On, and it's just right on my phone. And I took a picture of somebody's shirt within the crowd and made 50 different items with listings live on a live marketplace during my talk, like live, yeah. <laughs> right? So you can really make like hundreds of listings quickly uh, using different apps. So Redbubble's got an app. Um, Rage On's got an app. Um, some of them have apps just for buying and some of them have apps that you can actually create the designs on them. 
Um, I go through how to load designs into marketplaces using your mobile phone. So if you wanted to like make stuff on your phone using different programs that I go through, like uh, Over is a good program where you can actually create a layered design with different fonts. And you can, I show you how to like download and import custom fonts. So if you purchased fonts and you want to load them to basically upgrade the fonts available to you in the program, I'll show you how to do that. Um, I go into like fonts, where to get them legally, um, where you can get images, right? Some things to just kind of keep in mind when you're getting images to make sure that you own the rights for them. Yeah. Um, so I go through different services where you can get images, where you can get uh, different fonts, both paid and free. Um, how to manage things. So if you wanted to, let's say, you make your own design and you're using, I don't know, you're using Adobe um, Photoshop and you wanted to make a text-based design, um, the templates for certain design uh, platforms are available to you. So you can download the template or you can just make a design and send it to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, but let's say you wanted to see all the fonts that are on your computer. There's... Uh, websites that you can go to that are in the book that show you all of your fonts. So you can like type in a phrase and then literally browse through all the fonts on your computer to see what that phrase looks like across multiple fonts that happen to be installed on your computer. So you actually see what the font looks like. Um, if you wanted to find out, let's say you see an image and you're like, man, that's, I, I love it. Right? Like your India sourcing trip you used a very specific font for the word India, right? It's got yeah. like planted bottoms and like flames. That's a different kind of font, right? Yeah. So if I wanted to find out what that font is, I show you in the book, you can like take a screen capture of it, send it to a service. The service identifies the font for you. Uh, mm -hmm. What the font is an example of one of those, but there's more than one. And I show you how to identify them. If you're, let's say, paying a designer and you wanted to uh, find out if the designs they're making are original or if they're copying them from somewhere, I show you how to use services like a reverse search, uh, image search on Google uh, or something like Tin Can, where you can go in and actually do a visual, a visual reverse search. So you put in an image and it tells you where that image is online. Um, so if you want to find that, you can actually use that for other things. Like if you're uh, sourcing product or something for Amazon, you want to find out who the manufacturer is. You can put in an image of the product and then reverse image search it and find out who the manufacturer is. It's kind of a good tool to have available. Um, I go into, so let's say you've got your design created. I go into services that you can use to help augment the loading process. So in the book, I talk about a service called Single Upload. It happens to be that after I wrote the book, that company blew up. And what happened was they got uh, more orders than they were able to fulfill, which meant that they couldn't fulfill orders they were getting. And then that shut the company down because you can't operate print on demand if you can't make the products, right? So they got shut down. But there's another one called Orbit Kit. Uh, and Orbit Kit has done a great job at um, doing that same type of thing. So with that, you upload one design into Orbit Kit. And then it will automatically populate across multiple print-on-demand platforms the same design um, with the price and the description and the tag words that you put in for that design. But it'll upload them for you automatically across multiple types of products across multiple print-on-demand platforms. So that's something a little bit more advanced, but it's available to you. Um, there is a service called Merch Wizard. Uh, Merch Wizard allows you to pull your Merch by Amazon designs out of Merch by Amazon and then puts them into Airtables, which is a cloud-based um, spreadsheet service, which allows you to sort and filter all of your designs. So for example, 
let's say I was using five different sources to create my design and I wanted to find out which of my designers that I use has the most sales. You can set up cross tables inside of Airtables using Merch Wizard um, that basically show you which designers are making the designs that are selling the most. Mm. It's kind of a good thing to have, right? That is absolutely, you, yeah. Yeah, if you have a bunch of designs and you're using text-based designs, you could use the same principle. So you can actually uh, tag the fonts that are used in your designs. And then you could do a filtered search within the Airtables that mm -hmm. shows you which of the designs that uses fonts are making the most sales. And you might reveal something that perhaps a particular font is making a lot more sales than other fonts. So maybe you want to use that font more, for example. Um, you can sort by price, right? So you could say like, at which price do I make the most sales for my things? So that's kind of another thing you can do using Airtables. Um, in Airtables, you can get a certain number of records in an Airtable for free. And then after that, it's like a paid model. So I think it's $10 a month gets you 500 or something. Um, and yeah, so there's things like that in the book. There are, I think about this, integrations. So mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole chapter on the different pod platforms and technologies. So it goes through each individual pod one by one and shows you like, where is it? What types of things does it have? Uh, why might you use this pod over other pods? Um, what are the specifications for your files that you want to upload into them? Because some of them are unique and some of them are different. Uh, some of them you can use the same design, some need special uh, things. Um, yeah, so there's information about how to report people that are copying. So copycats is something that's a problem with print on demand because you can literally do a screen capture of somebody's design and then format it, change the color and re um, upload it, which is bad. Like, don't do that. You're stealing, right? Yeah. Um, so there are, there are ways within the book about how to report uh, trademark infringements. And again, it's platform specific. So each platform has different ways to report things. Um, so it covers that. Um, what else does it cover? It, there's a whole section on community. So I'm not the only person that does print on demand. I'm not the only source of truth for this. So if you wanted to connect with other um, people that are into print on demand, I go through a whole bunch of different ways. There's a whole chapter actually on how to connect with other people. So I go into Facebook groups, uh, YouTube channels, podcasts, books, um, other social media where you can connect, connect with other people that are into print on demand. So you can go and join their stuff and see what they're doing. There are, so in certain cases, the complexity for a certain print on demand platform can exceed even what the book covers. And so in those cases, sometimes I point you to additional resources to get like super in depth. So for example, uh, Etsy is a good example. So there's a, whole, there's a whole chapter and it covers the pods. And within that, one of the pods is Etsy, but Etsy is enormous, right? It's like Amazon, it's just a whole marketplace, right? And so I do show you how to like make a listing on Etsy, how to connect it, how to connect different pods. I give you like multiple different print on demand services that you can connect to Etsy. I go through some of the general rules that you wanna keep in mind for it. Um, but if you wanna get into like, in addition to all that, even more in depth, I have links to books and courses about Etsy, and some of those are at discounted prices. So, you know, if you're going to take an additional course about it, anyways, if you use the link in the book, you could save like a hundred dollars, or you could save fifty percent, or you could save different things. Wow. Um, for connecting with like virtual assistants or other designers, you might want to use a payment service, so something like um, Payoneer, which I'm sure is popular around the world because it allows you yeah. to do. 
um, Payoneer to Payoneer account transfers with zero cost, which is quite nice. Um, so there's links in the book, not just to set up Payoneer, but if you use one of the links that are in the book to do that, um, at a certain threshold of transactions, they'll actually put money into your Payoneer account. So they'll pay you like 100 US dollars after $1,000 worth of transactions. This is basically free money. So, you know, if you're thinking of using something like that, you may want to purchase the book. It's $57 US and it's got a link that gives you 100 bucks in the book. So it's, I mean, if you're going to use it anyways, you're basically paying yourself to buy the book, right? Um, there are, you know, just trying to think of the different chapters. There's a whole chapter on marketing. We didn't even talk about any of that. So chapter five is on marketing and I cover different uh, social media platforms. So I go through Facebook, I go through Instagram, I go through uh, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest. Um, and each one of those platforms that I go through, I have, I think, 10 or more different methods to market within each social media platform. And usually half of them are free and half of them are paid. So I show you both free methods and paid methods. You get to choose whichever you want. You can, like pick whatever you want. Um, you can do all of them. You can do none of them. It's really kind of encyclopedic, like it goes through all kinds of different ways to do it. I go in through um, the psychology behind marketing. So not just like specific tactics, but more broader, like why would you want to market? Uh, why do people buy things? Um, somebody might buy something not based on price, but maybe they're basing it based on availability or about shipping time. Maybe that's more important to them, or maybe um, something that is rare, right? So you might get something because other people don't have it. So it's a status symbol. So I go into like different ways that you can market to your audience, um, not just price. Um, the that's marketing chapter. So much information in just one book. I mean, it's this yeah. and it's, this two-hour call here is is like a masterclass. I think <laughs> you've given so much information. So guys, I mean, this is a no-brainer. I mean, this is the right time to learn about, you know, these sorts of things. We're we're in lockdown and quarantine. There's not a lot we can do, right? We're at home. Yeah. So instead of watching Netflix, um, you know, for, for two hours, you can get this book and, you know, just learn all about Merch by Amazon. I think, uh, I mean, the print on demand. And this is, I think, a great opportunity. And it's easy to set up. There's not a lot of upfront investment as well, right, for this business. I think that's what I really yeah, yeah. like. The business model itself, you can set up and start selling in less than an hour for no cost, yeah. including including making the designs, using tools that are all laid out in the book. So you can literally like, I'll show you where to get images, how to edit them, how to think of a design. There's a whole section on like how to develop a niche, right? How to uh, create a list of niches that you wanna target, um, how to set up the account on multiple platforms, how to upload the designs that you make, how to market to them for free. Um, multiple methods on each of those things it really is it's a very it's a very content rich book uh, and there's certain cases where if the complexity is so high that it doesn't make sense to write it down because it'd be like a book within a book I do have a lot of links for free to videos right so there's um, literally uh, hundreds of links in the book many of which so dozens of them go to videos which explain it in a video format, how to do something or where to do something, right? So in addition to me explaining it in words, I also have links to videos showing you how to do things. Well, Jacob, thank you so, so, so much for your time today. It's getting really late yeah. there. It's 11 p.m. now. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. let you go. 
So, <laughs> but this. Uh, is do you want to cover a couple a couple other quick things that are in the book that we didn't yeah. mention at all? Okay. Um, there's a whole chapter on automation, so it tells you how to automate literally 100% of the process from design creation to loading to uh, marketing. There's there's a section in there where I get into um, how to use artificial intelligence to design and run ads for you that auto manage themselves Is it using a computer. Yeah. So for example, if you wanted to create an email campaign or a Facebook campaign or an Instagram campaign, you can go in. There's a tool within Shopify uh, called Kit, and uh, Kit used to be like $300 a year, and now it's free. It's built in. Like Shopify bought them and integrated into the platform, so you can use Kit to actually design ads around the designs that you have on your shop. And it will. And when I'm talking, like you don't. You don't write the price or the copy. You don't make a description. It does everything for you. It's completely automated. It's a computer doing it. It's not a person. It's a automatic. It's a artificial intelligence. And I wrote about that uh, almost three years ago. And if you know artificial intelligence, you know that every time it does a transaction, it uh, improves, right? And so it has been improving based on tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of ads that it has run across multiple ad marketplaces. It's really good. Like it's getting a lot better, right? So at the beginning, it was pretty good. And they got a little bit better and then a lot better and then a lot better. And now it's crazy good. Um, three years ago, the AI was already uh, Facebook certified, right? So like the AI got itself certified as a certified provider. This was three years ago. Since then, it's run hundreds of thousands of ads for tens of thousands of businesses. So now it's still doing the same thing, but it's a lot more efficient, right? It'll like literally select an audience for you. It'll target to them. It'll build you carousel ads. It'll pull the designs from your shop. It will pull the prices for you. It'll write up copy. It will send like email triggers, right? So you can do email campaigns and it's all fully automated. Like it's literally, you can talk to it through Facebook Messenger. You can be like, hey, can you make a design on these four designs? And be like, sure. How much do you want to spend? Ten dollars, twenty dollars, fifty dollars, right? You press like fifty dollars, and it does the whole campaign and sends you the ad. And if you approve it, it runs the ad until it's spent, and then it does you a result and it reports on it, right? Stuff like that. It, it's in the book. Like I literally go through how to set it up, where it is, how to get it, and then there's a whole Q and A section. So there's uh, like hundreds of questions that are individually asked and answered in the book. There's a whole chapter on that. And then there's also a glossary because sometimes it gets a little technical. Like if you wanted to talk about POD as print on demand, but what about um, uh, HTX or uh, DTG or what's the difference between dye sublimation and an all over print mm -hmm. or, you know, just kind of technical jargon that's there. So there's a glossary in the book. And then if you use uh, Megla's link, in addition to the entire book, which has everything we've been talking about um, in here, it also gives you bonus files. And those bonus files give you things like I have a spreadsheet on how to manage your content across multiple print-on-demand platforms. So you actually track like which designs you have on which platform and what your keywords are and what your prices are and when you uploaded it and all that kind of data can all be tracked within a spreadsheet that's provided for free within that Gumroad link. Um, I also give you more than 2,000 different individual niches that you can build designs for. So if you're stuck, you're not sure what you want to build for, you just like open up the file and there's 2,000 different ideas there that you can use any of them, right? 
Um, so I go through special dates, anniversaries, special events. Uh, it's multi-country as well, so you can target different countries. Um, there's also, if you don't like reading and you don't care to know the reasoning behind something, there's a whole link list. So there's over 300 links where you can just click on a link and find out what's there for yourself without reading about it. Um, there's other digital files. So for example, I give you um, a snapshot of the Printful inventory, which gives you over 3000 individual combinations. And you could literally use that to build um, print on demand into Amazon Seller Central. So there's a lot of uh, content and information and it's very detailed and it's in the book and or the files that are included with the book. Oh, and I also give you free free updates for life. So it's currently in its sixth edition. It's mislabeled in Gumroad. It says fifth edition, but it's actually the sixth edition. And when the seventh edition comes out, you get that for free with no extra charge. So anybody who's ever bought my book ever on Gumroad gets all of the future editions when they come out for free. And it's already wow. in a sixth edition. So it's already been updated five times. And it's $57, is it? Yeah, yeah. You pay one time and you get free updates for life. Plus all the bonus files, plus all the content that's in it. I think you're undercharging for this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's my first book. It's my first book that came oh, out, and uh, people. I, I put people. like my, I have my personal yeah. phone numbers in here. So if you want to like shoot me a text message or call me, I put my uh, address in here so you can send me mail if you want. Like I show actually, you know, it's funny in chapter nine, I show you how to use the book to use the book to make money on print on demand. So like right now, Megla is using, an. Uh, this is no secret. You're using the affiliate link. The link that's there, you make money when people buy that. Okay. So yeah. they're supporting you if they buy my book. They're also supporting me. This is very good for you and I. It's also good for the person that buys the book. It's a book about how to make money. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of generally speaking pays for itself if you follow the information in the book. However, if you wanted to buy the book and do absolutely nothing with print on demand, but you think it's a great book, I show you how to use the book to make money from the book. Mm. It's like a, it's, I think it's kind of ridiculous. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Magla? Like you've, I think it's great. We've talked for two hours. We met a few times. What do you think? Is it a good value? It is a great value. It's amazing value, really. I mean, I myself have been intrigued and I'm going to definitely look at some of these uh, platforms to um, get some, you know, merchandise printed for India sourcing trip. Cause, uh, yeah. the last time we gave people, you know, pens with their names written on them. And then we gave, um, yeah, pens or pens, man. Diaries. We did diaries with the India sourcing trip logo embossed on them. And then we Better. did a few bags. Um, we did a lot of different kind of things. So I've got some ideas now. I really like the idea of a jigsaw puzzle. So I'm thinking yeah. of doing a big jigsaw puzzle with the Taj Mahal on it. And then with the India sourcing trip logo on, on that. Absolutely. So I think that's gonna be really good. You know, just, um, well, you could, you could, for people that go on the India sourcing trip, I'm willing to bet money that you at some point take a group picture. You could yeah. take the group picture and put it on a jigsaw puzzle. Oh my people God. Remember it, right? That is amazing. That is a great idea. Yeah. Or okay. if you want to get, if you want to get crazy, all right. Cause yeah. I know that you talk with a lot of people that sell online, right? Yeah. Imagine doing a puzzle where each puzzle piece has an additional uh, tip or trick on how to list better or how to sell more. Yeah. You can literally have like a 500 word puzzle where every single puzzle piece has, uh, you know, tips on how to improve your online sales, right? You'd have 500 yeah. tips. Great. Exactly. 
And I think now is a good time to sell puzzles because, you know, people are at home, they're bored and puzzles, yeah. you know, take time. So it's a good way to kill like two hours or so. so yeah. And you yeah. can also do print on demand on printed products, right? So you can do like uh, books, notebooks, um, things like uh, board games. You can do print on demand board games. You can do 3D print on demand. So you can do like physical objects on demand. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff we did not talk about, right? Yeah. Um, you can do magazines, right? If you want to do a full cover, cover to cover magazine on print on demand, that can be done. If you want to do, let's say games or something, you could do decks of cards where it's an on-demand manufacturer process. So you're making decks of cards, print on demand. Okay. Uh, there's, there's just so many things that you could use print on demand to create. And again, yeah. for me, it's different for everybody, but for me, the things that I appreciate the most about print on demand in general uh, are number one, no capital outlay. I put up the design and it's available for sale. Exactly. If somebody buys it, you make money every time. Yeah. And if people don't buy it, you don't lose money, right? There's no storage fees. There's no shipping costs, right? And there's no like, how much does it cost to get it landed product across continents or something? Like it's, it's just, it's just all free, right? right. And it's instant. Um, and you can do a massive volume. Like I'll give you an example. This is a cup. This is a, a, an insulated mug, right? Mm -hmm. And it's made out of uh, ceramic and it's got a lid on it. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. It's print on demand, right? You can get this kind of thing print on demand. So you can get like all kinds of materials, wood, glass, ceramic, um, printed, etched, engraved, burned, leather. Yeah. Um, you know, you can do posters, you can do metallic posters. Mm -hmm. if you want to do a really nice classy poster. You can do photographic images on demand, uh, different yeah. sizes. You can do trioglyphs. There's so many different things you could do. It's just crazy. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. So, guys, you know, all of you listening here, go get the book. It's just a no-brainer. I mean, it's just $57, and this is a great time to, uh, you know, sit down and, and read through the book and learn all about this. And, you know, maybe you can even start uh, your print-on-demand business now, you know, today, tomorrow. It's, it's, uh, it's a good time to start. Um, be a bit cautious, of course, about, you know, the environment and what's going on and be aware that Amazon by merch is not available right now. So, uh, you know, just be a bit cautious. But there are other uh, platforms as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, just uh, be aware that some of them might not be doing deliveries. So you have to do your research and make sure that you're going into you know, a platform where they are uh, they're able to fulfill your orders and, and, and things like that. But otherwise, you know, once all of the dust settles, this is definitely an amazing business model to diversify your business. I think that's something that people have realized over the last couple of years, whether yeah. in the last couple of months, I would say, whether it's your sourcing, whether it's the products you're selling, whether it's the marketplaces you're selling on, whether it's the type of business that you're doing, you've got to diversify, right? Um, you can't just depend on one business model to uh, to to survive. I mean, look at what's happening on Amazon right now, right? I mean, a lot of people are just losing their sales. And so, yeah, diversification is really important. And this is a great, uh, great business to do. So, Jacob, thank you so very much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And we should probably do this, uh, you know, as a paid masterclass the next time. <laughs> you I gave love you. Uh, my is, I'm an analytical guy. I take a lot of notes. Uh, yeah. This book is a result of people asking me questions. And I'm like, I had so many people asking me so many questions. It made yeah. more sense for me to write it down. And that's how the book started, right? Like people were just asking me questions. Um, yeah. I just kept track of 
all the answers that I had. And and then after it got for sale, I got very, very aggressive about researching. So it took, um, I actually tracked the hours for writing the book and it's got more than a thousand hours of research uh, in it. So if you want, you know, if you're thinking about print on demand and you know a little bit about what you think you might want to do, um, consider the amount of time it might take you to find out what you actually want to do um, versus, you know, you can kind of save a lot of your time by buying a resource which has it very condensed and it's laid out in an orderly fashion. So you can really go from like, what is it? How do I do it? What to do? Pick a platform based on the information across the different platforms that's provided. Um, and then decide, you know, do you want to make your own designs or do you want to partner with somebody else that does it, whether it's a service or a person or, you know, you can make your own. Um, and then you can, it, later, later on, if you want, you can automate it, right? So you can really scale it too. It's, print on demand is something that can be scaled very rapidly. Right. Um, there are tools and processes that enable you to scale it. Um, there are techniques which allow you to... Two people actually bought the book just now. I didn't know yeah, people it. people are buying it like oh. all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, like the original first version of the book came out more than three years ago. Um, and within its first year, it had just the book itself sold over $100,000 worth of it. So I can, based on like when somebody reads the book, it leads to more sales because they start to tell their friends and they're like, Holy cow, I had no idea you could do this. I didn't know this was even possible. Uh, wow, I can use this in a different part of another business, right? Or I can use this to integrate with something else. Or I had no idea you could do this or that, right? The tools, uh, you know, like specifically the whole chapter on marketing, that could probably be its own book. <laughs> it's very thorough, right? It gets into like influencer marketing, how to identify markets, uh, how to build free groups, like, it, it, it really does get into the weeds on how to do things. It's not a general book. It's not like a, like we're talking very high level on this video here. The book gets into details about like exactly how to do things. And um, what I tend, what I, what I generally find is that people that read it, they'll read it and then they'll talk to a friend and their friend are like, Oh, I've never heard of that. I'd be like, yeah, you got to get this. And then it leads to a generally a whole bunch of sales. And then yeah. you get a whole group of people that are all kind of reading it. There's actually, this is funny. Um, somebody started a mastermind, a paid mastermind, uh, group on Facebook mm -hmm. that was centered around the book. It, not my group. Like they, people pay a monthly fee to go through my book. That's right? awesome. Do you, do you get some royalty? That's how or... crazy the content is. Uh, well, yeah. So before they launched it, we had a deal where everybody in the group gets my book and they're actually buying those copies. So I'm happy for them to, you know, go ahead and buy the book and like have a mastermind around it. Right. Like build your whole, there are people that I've, I, I'm pretty sure based on content that I see, cause I know what I put in and I know where it came from. I am confident that people have launched entire influencer ecosystems based around information that they most likely got from the book. Like mm -hmm. these, these things are happening. I know, I know this. Right. You know, so I know that the content, it is dense though. So if you're not into taking action, like it's the kind of book where you could just read it all and be like, wow, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I would recommend taking a little bit, putting it into action and then moving to the next part, putting it into action and then moving to the next part. You can build up quite an array of skills by going through it and putting into action what you learn, right? 
Cool. Awesome, Jacob. Well, thank you so very much for all of this. It has been absolutely awesome. And um, yeah, Cherry just said, awesome webinar. Thank you, Megla and Jacob. So yeah, uh, you, you provided such a lot of value. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for that. You're welcome. And, and I'm, I'm happy to come back if you want to do another call. We could go into like just a specific portion, right? Or we could yeah. go into a specific topic. Or if you want to copy, like, like go into one particular pod or one platform, yeah. We can go very deep on multiple parts of what we talked about. This is just a, like a two-hour broad overview. Just a two-hour broad overview. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, yeah. So, let's let's uh, talk about it and uh, let's, let's um, see what we can do. So, you have a good yep. night and I will see you around. All right. Thanks, Megla. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Bye.